Osiris. Hey everyone, it's Cam Hurt, host of the Best Show Ever podcast, and we have got a second season coming out very soon that I am very excited about. We've got some very cool special guests, including musical acts that we all love, like Karina Reichman, Daniel Donato, Jake Brownstein from Eggy, Rick and Peter from Goose, and many more. Tune in for new episodes dropping on Osiris Media March 5th on the Best Show Ever podcast. Hi, listeners. I want to tell you about a cause that I'm involved with at Heritage Radio Network. HRN is celebrating its 15th year, and to celebrate, we're deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Welcome back to Always Almost There, a Goose podcast series by Storm Sound and Osiris Media. I'm Ryan. And I'm Neil. The two of us are here today to recap the first leg of spring tour, spanning from Boston to Birmingham. We are very sad that Brian, Kevin, Danny could not be here with us for this episode due to some unfortunate scheduling conflicts, but we are very, very excited to have Brian Brinkman of HF Pod joining us to lend his voice and insight to the tour recap. Brian, how are you doing? My voice and my insight will be lent to event. I'm very excited. I'm very thankful that you guys uh, invited me on here. Ryan, I've been ribbing you for years, it feels like now, to bring me on to your podcast to talk about goose. I talk about way too much fish. <laughs> and as I, as I tell our good friend RJB, I listen to fish for work. I listen to goose for fun. I'm so excited to Ooh. podcast for fun right now. Hot takes already. I love no, it. No, bring it. <laughs> I love it. We're, we're full of them here. Um, so I assume that means that this weekend you will be watching Goose over Fish. This is a, this is a huge debate in my house um, and amongst my friends. I will be doing Goose and then Fish on each evening. Mm-hmm. I, First time my, ever. My, my current plan is to watch Goose and then go based off of what both bands are playing to determine when I switch. That's how I'm going to plan things out once they go out West and I've got to actually commit to one show versus another. Right. I I want to see what the first weekend of fish looks like. I want to see what, I mean, goose, we're going to talk about it. They're already hot. There are, they've been on the road for basically a month now with a couple weeks off here and there. I mean, they are, they're playing some great music. I don't want to bury the lead at this point and just like give away the entire next four and a half hours of this podcast. But man, <laughs> there's some good music we're going to be talking about. Thank you for teasing the length of the podcast. That's, that's how we do things around here. He's been prepped appropriately. So, so that's good. I, I don't know what I'm going to be listening to this weekend. It all depends on what Ryan breaks off and listens to. It's, uh, it's, it's up in the air. So, 
Ryan has dubbed me the person to listen to all of Goose if he breaks off and listens to Fish. So we'll figure it out. Someone needs to do but. the setlist thread. That's that's all we know. So we'll see what happens. There you go. So all right, shall we talk about the music? Yes, yeah, I mean we've got eight shows to talk about. So if we don't jump in now, we've got we're nine not finishing actually. to like or nine shows to talk about. Thank you for the correction. But if we don't start now, we're never going to finish. So let's begin. Um, and I get to kick it off because this is a show that I was at. Um, very exciting. My wife's third goose show. So Ooh. also exciting. <clears throat> um, but yes, March 23rd uh, at the Roadrunner in Boston, which is a venue I've been hoping that goose is going to play at for a really, really long time. It felt like they were ready to play at this venue when it opened. A lot of bands like in Goose's, you know, wheelhouse of venues had already played there. We had Trey there, I think, right when they opened. Billy, the day they opened. Um, <clears throat> so we were all wondering when Goose was going to play there. And sure enough, we finally get them at this venue right at the moment that Goose outgrew the venue. It's <laughs> <is> great. <laughs> um, so... So I, I will talk about this as I go, but uh, set one at this show, Flowdown, Turbulence, Elizabeth, um, all three I missed at least most of because Roadrunner was not ready for Goose. Um, and the line to get in was just about a half mile long. And I'm not exaggerating when I say this. It was, I don't even know how was long something. that is. Uh, let me, let me convert I mean, that it's like a kilometer or so. I don't know. Give or take. <clears throat> But so we get Flowdown, Turbulence, Elizabeth. And then Elizabeth was actually right when I was getting settled into the venue. Actually a pretty tasty jam in this Elizabeth. And then we get an incredible rarity at this point with Travelers, which, you know, it's really, really exciting for folks who hadn't heard it in a while. I don't think I'd heard it in a while. Mm -hmm. And then we get a Father John Misty cover writing a novel. And then Earthlinger Alien, the first example of I think what we get one of every single show on this tour, which was Goose laying a jam out there and just letting it happen. Mm -hmm. And this is the first of it. And I think we get one every single night on this tour. And I think I'll bring it up every show that we talk about. But this one was there, the patience was there. And we've talked about this a bunch on the day after shows. I think that patience was frustrating to some people. We talked about this a little bit where some folks were impatient with that patience, mm -hmm. you know, some jams came better than others, but this is a good example of them kind of letting the jam come to them. But I want to hear what you guys have to say about this set before I kind of really dig in deeper on this earthling or alien. Can I just offer some thoughts at the top about patience? Yes. Yes. I mean, let, let's do it. it if we're going to talk about this run, we got to talk about patience. Yeah. It's an interesting discussion point and discourse uh within the community it, part of the reason i find it fascinating is i have a very very close friend who will go unnamed even though he will probably not listen to this podcast for reasons <laughs> i'm about to explain uh one of my favorite favorite fish friends um like the type of person you guys know what this is like where you can just throw out a random oddity comment from one of the band members and he knows exactly what show exactly what set exactly what song came before or after um the type of person that like i can stay up all night and we can just one after another you know play a surprise me jam and it's like the kind of jam that you just were not expecting and it just blows your brains he has not gotten goose yet 
And his whole reason for not getting goose is he does not believe that they're patient enough. Mm. And so I'm caught between these two areas of, of fan discourse where I'm hearing from the goose side of things that they're becoming too patient and it's too slow and it's taking too, too long to get somewhere. And then I hear from the other side on the fish side of things, it's moving too quickly. It's not patient enough yet. They aren't taking enough, enough time to develop ideas. They're not taking enough time to let things grow properly. They're just going right for the peak. Personally, I think that there's that goose has always existed somewhere in between. I think that there's been a ton of excitement because they can peak and because that's a really difficult thing to do really well. We all listen mm -hmm. to a lot of jam bands that don't do it very well, but they do it often. I feel like goose has always done a really good job of kind of like, building up to that peak but they've always really liked that peak and now i'm hearing this band cool off from that and allow for diversions and new ideas personally could they get more patient sure i think that like if if, if it were me deciding what i'd love to hear from them it'd be more of like the weirdness that we heard at the end of like that rosewood that we're going to talk about in nashville but mm -hmm. I'm curious your guys' thoughts about like the patient uh, discourse and the patient discussion point. So I was so happy as this Earthling was unfolding. You know, we saw kind of tastes of this kind of patient jamming uh, at the cap, stuff like the first jam of that drive um, mm. where they just like, they didn't rush the theme. They just let it happen, as, as you said yeah. before, Neil. But, and so this Earthling, as it started to open up, like obviously – the finest example, I think, of the the long form patience that we heard on this tour will come at the next show. But this Earthling was a big step forward, and it was like, okay, there's like they're making a conscious effort to let the music breathe on its own to see where it takes them. Instead of you know, one of us is going to drive it dark, one of us is going to drive it into this funky direction, one of us is going to drive it into this you know hard charging peak. They sat back, you know. They kind of hung out in the groove and waited for an idea to come to them. So I think this is really important, you know, like throughout every band, um, every, every significant jam band, you have a kind of point where they take these really long excursions to try to develop their sound. You know, the dead, even you had these really, really long jazzy excursions in the early seventies where they're just kind of fucking around with different themes and, you know, things and fish, obviously 94, 95, you have these 30 to 50 minute jams that are just like, they're just pushing the envelope. Like I, I don't like those jams very much because I don't find a ton of them. It's okay. Yeah. You're both going to laugh at me, whatever. This, this is not a fish oh, yeah. podcast. I'm not on here to get crucified for my fish takes. Um, there are other podcasts for that. Um, but <laughs> This is, this is a really important step for the band, being able to do that because they have existed for so long in this world of being known as the band with the, with the peaks and the band with the four-on-the-floor grooves and whatever. So to be able to go outside of that box and just let the music expand was very exciting for me. And so for, throughout this Earthling, you know, that initial funky jam that they get into and the, the, the kind of more blissy jam in the second half that's another theme that we see so much um, on this tour. You know, I feel like we have gotten so used to chasing the weird um, that I feel like some people, myself especially, have kind of 
put less stock into really good bliss jams. And so I keep having to remind myself as I'm listening to the jams from this tour, like just because it's not like super dissonant and weird and dark doesn't mean it's not amazing. So the bliss jams on this tour have been absolutely incredible. And we'll get to that. But that, you know, that that's my kind of initial very long-winded take on the the patience and this earthling. So so I'll say this about the patience. Uh I think with the patience what you're seeing is a lot of listening going on. Mm, and absolutely. I think that is where the good stuff happens, right? And I think actually in this show you get an example of like a very long drawn out like opportunity to listen to each other waiting for those ideas to materialize, somebody grabbing them and doing something with them. I don't know if they actually crush it in this show at all, um, but there's a much shorter version of some really excellent listening a little bit later in the second set, which we'll talk about. Mm -hmm. um, so shall we talk about the second set or do we want to dig in a little bit on, on this Earthling a little bit more? Or do we want to talk about Elizabeth at all? Or Elizabeth, I will, I will put out the Chugal word again. All right. Um, yeah. So I was waiting for that. That that's kind of the only adjective you can use to describe a you know eleven to thirteen minute Elizabeth jam, just solid chugle. Yeah, I mean, I thought I thought this was a sorry, I thought this was a solid first set. Um, I think ultimately, yeah. a lot of the song selections represented an opening night of tour. Flow down is a very easy groove for the band to get into. They clearly have a ton of fun doing it. The Hey Jude stuff in there was great. Uh, Turbulence, Ryan, you and I have talked about it. And I'm sure you guys have talked about it. Um, you know, it's one of those, it's an accomplishment for goose to have a song like turbulence. It's one of those songs that doesn't need a jam. It's just five to eight minutes long has a really solid peak. Uh, they need, you know, some more of those, like to just flesh out aspects of their set list. And I love hearing it. It's got such a great earworm riff. Elizabeth, as you guys said, travelers being a, a slight bust out there, a little rarity at this point in time. I think I heard that one shows. Third. 31 shows. Yeah. I, th I think I heard that at my third or fourth goose show. And it just like, it's always stuck with me. It's just really good lyrically. Uh, I love like the melodic space they fall into huge father, John Misty fan. So anytime they play writing a novel, one of my best friends was at this show and he was freaking out when they played that. It was the first time he got it live. And then the earthling, I think this is, it's pretty high up for me. I think I have it like 12th overall this year so far, just in terms of my jam rankings. Um, really, really solid. The patience that we talked about, I'm on board with it. You know, this is, this is what I'm li listening for with goose is, is what you guys are talking about is all the band members, uh, uh hearing each other, hearing the conversation that, that the, the other guys are doing, um, you know, not to make this a fish comparison, but you bring up those 94, 95 crazy jams. The thing that made those jams so important for fish was it forced them to listen to each other in mm -hmm. a manner that was challenging, was risk-taking, uh, I don't think that it was ever the musical stopping point of where they wanted to be as a band. It was more of an exercise in, you know, in, in, in a live concert, this earthling kind of felt that, that way. I, I, the, the, the one difference is it's got such a melodic peak at the end. It almost reminds me of the, uh, uh, Carini from Hampton 2013. It's just like candy grooves from goose and what a way to end the first set and what a way to turn a song like earthling or alien into a huge jam vehicle these last like what five six versions that we've heard have just been mm -hmm. stunning yep and like i mean you hammer a point that that i i've really hit on quite a bit which is earthling or alien is now a jam vehicle there's an expectation there when earthling or alien high is played, level on it, Pat. yeah and like when this song was introduced that it was not that and, <laughs> and much maligned for not being that right there was or, the the conduction yeah. 
aspect of it. There was it was the party song, and then now yeah. all of a sudden it's something completely different. And every time they play it, you get something really, really good. So mm-hmm. when they played it at the cap, I still think that there's a section of improv in that version from Capitol Theater that is like one of my favorite pieces of improv they've done yet in 2023. Same. It just sounds so unique and so good. So good. good. <laughs> it's, it's so, so good. good. Um, but before I turn the page on this set, I do want to say that the, the Father John Misty cover that they do, they execute it so well. And I've said this time and time again, but this, this is what Goose does. They, they mm-hmm. show up and play covers that honor the original artist. And I think that's something as jam band fans, we're not necessarily used to. Yeah. So sometimes you get a cover where it's just like, Oh, this song, like I love it. And it's great. But this song, you know, vocally it approaches what father John Misty would do in a live show. And like people pay a lot of money just to show up and hear father John Misty sing that song and nothing else, no jams, none of that. Just, you know, doing the song. This was also the first novel since Radio City, and I want to highlight how good that that version with Father John Misty is, because obviously the Trey Sidon rightfully gets all the hype from that show, but go back and listen to the the novel with Father John Misty. If you haven't in a while, the harmonies with Rick are just incredible. That's good stuff. Yes. Set two. All right. Set two. Uh, We get Creatures, Hunger Sight, Redbird, Please forgive me all without a pause. And then Bob Don and Pancakes to close off the set with a slow ready encore. And so I, you know, I was at this show and this is a, is a really awesome, awesome set in terms of threading a set together. I don't know if this is a set that I'm going to go back and listen to, you know, a million times over, but like the one piece of music that really stood out for me in this set was the Redbird. And this Redbird is is very, very good. And it's not very long. You get about 15 minutes of music. You get about six and a half, seven minutes of a jam section in this. But the jam section that is in this Redbird is incredible. And there are people that we talk to who think that this is indicative of a jamming style that is like coming around the corner. I agree with that. They get to a lot of places really fast. We talked about fish a little bit already. And this is kind of maybe one of the fishiest things they've done is they found a space so fast in this jam that's so good. And then they just walked away from it. They could have really, really kind of dragged this whole thing out. But mm-hmm. they chose not to. They chose to move on and, and kind of march ahead with their set, which is kind of atypical of Goose, right? Like we normally would get like a 20, 25-minute version of Redbird really hammering on the themes that they found right off the bat in this one. So not a patient listening to each other jam, but still incredible spaces they found here. And, and a really nice juxtaposition against the Earthling from the first set. You know, that was mm. longer, patient, more upbeat. This Redbird hits on some darker themes and is, you know, 10 minutes shorter. Um, and so, yeah, it's, 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 it's a great one. And I do also want to highlight how Hunger Sight has hit this level of absolute fire um, right now on this tour. Like the last few versions, um, that first jam section... Um, they've just been absolutely obliterating, like just, you know, Rick, uh, like flamethrower on the crowd. Um, so, you know, hell yeah. And Bob Don is an amazing second set landing pad. And it has been proving that. Bob Don, just to start there, now that it's slowed down, it really sounds like Goose has written like a My Morning Jacket cover. 
Like it just sounds like something that could have come off of Z or like the second half of it still moves. It's just got that like late night kind of seedy groove to it. And it's got a really good melodic chorus and like the, I don't know. It just, it sounds to me like something that they would have written in like the early two thousands. Um, I agree with you guys. I think this set flowed really well. Um, I haven't gone back to listen to this set on like a repeated basis, the way that I have other sets later in this overall run here, but um, I'm right with you, Neil, the, the red bird blew me away. It's on my overall list of, of top jams of the year. And it does this thing that you said it really well. It's, it's very fishy in the sense that, you know, it connects on an idea, it connects on a groove, and then it just builds off of that. And it just, it's kind of hypnotic. And it's really strange to me that Redbird in its best versions. And I think, you know, obviously the Pittsburgh one from last year at its best, Redbird moves from being this very touching ballad into a hypnotic dance groove type of jam. And it's such a strange juxtaposition for a song like this. Like you would think that oftentimes a band puts out a song like a Redbird and they just are like, okay, we're just not going to touch that from a jamming standpoint. Like there are fish songs that the band is just never going to touch from a jamming standpoint because it just means a lot emotionally. Um, it, 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 it brings up a lot of feelings in the crowd and it's almost seen as like a break. Redbird totally could have been, and some might argue it should have been that type of song, but instead the band has turned Redbird into one of their most consistent jam vehicles. You know, this uh, C is the same sort of way, like, the fact that this band is able to take a song like Redbird that could just be five minutes, cool down, contemplative, go grab another beer, go to the bathroom, you know, just like sit down and chill out, but turned into this brilliant jamming uh, uh, vehicle. And we're going to have an even stronger version later on here in this tour. It's just, it's something that uh, I just, I'm in awe of with this band over and over again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, the, the Redbird that comes later, very different Redbird. The next very Redbird they play, like, might as well be an entirely different song. Yeah. So it's fascinating. Uh, other note that I want to make about this set. So, again, my wife's third Goo show. So it's very exciting mm-hmm. for us. Um, when they played Bob Don, they finished Bob Don after the, you know, the soaring guitar solo from Rick that just absolutely shreds. She was like, that was my favorite part of the night. And I was like, I knew I married you for a reason. Um, there are many things that you can pick from that night but that that bob don guitar solo that hits so well every time and hit extra well at this show killer and then of course slow ready encore who doesn't love a slow ready encore and and a pretty pretty great pancakes you know there have been some this year so far we've been treated to a few shorter um not as adventurous but to the point very amazing set or show closing versions of pancakes. So shout out to those. Shall we move on to Philly? Shall we? Let's do, Let's it. do it. So March 24th at the Met in Philadelphia, Neil and I were both at this show. Um, first set starts off. Uh, we move through Rockdale, Atlas Dogs, Love is a Battlefield, Everything Must Go, The Old Man's Boat, and Thatch. Rockdale has uh made kind of a resurgence uh this year kind of this tour um the last few plays you know it's kind of they're kind of getting into this thing where they'll go into like a double time groove into the jam and take it out longer this rockdale doesn't go a ton of places uh, but it's longer and it's more of that they're just kind of pushing 
seeing where the song is going to go. And obviously they will jam out of Rockdale um, with much more successful results, in my opinion, a bit later in the tour, um, which I feel like we keep saying. But Atlas Dogs continues to be a really great first set tune. You know, Brian and I, we talk, uh, we've talked about this a lot, how Goose does not have as many, like, just five-minute rocker songs, basically. You know, like, they need that, though. Not every song can be, you know, eight minutes minimum. Uh, sometimes they need a four- to five-minute song. So Alice Dogs has really kind of um, found its place there. I'm sure we will see the jam come back at some point in the future, but it works really, really well on its own. Um, I think, you know, something we'll talk about later in the show, we'll talk about animal, I feel like should be about 10 minutes shorter, um, every time it's played, but this, this was a great set too, you know, first, uh, love is battlefield since last summer, everything must go is such a good song. Oh my God. Um, it just, yeah, it's so good. Like the guitar solo, Rick is just going for it. Lots of sustain happening. Um, boat's always fun. And then, you know, thatch fucks. Um, I'm going to save the thatch discourse for, you know, a couple thatches from now, but this was a, this was a fun set. I had fun. I, I think, uh, ultimately my big highlight of this set was the Rockdale. Um, I thought more than anything, uh, it just felt like a statement, you know, Philadelphia, this is their first time in Philadelphia, correct me if I'm wrong, since the tour finale last year. Yes. So kind of a big moment, big return. Uh, they're leveling up, going from the Fillmore to the Met. We're early on in the tour, whereas that was the tour finale. To walk out and play a 22-minute version of one of their strongest songs, like pure songs, but a song that also is an incredible jam vehicle, I thought just kind of sent a message about where the band is at right now, sent a message about um, what their intentions were on this tour and what their intentions were in this run. Um, the rest of set one I enjoyed. Um, I'm right there with you. I love Atlas Dogs. Love is a Battlefield is a great cover. Everything Must Go. The first time I heard this live was Goosemas. I did not love it as the second slot in the first set of the first show, but I think when it's placed right, it just is like a beautiful uh, kind of that faux ballad slash rager that the band uh, can, that, that like zone that the band can hang out in. Um, but yeah, Rockdale, this was not my favorite Rockdale of the year, but just like the fact that they came out and played, the fact that Goose can play a 22 minute song to open a show and it's not really surprising is a thing I love about where they're at right now. And a thing I love yeah. about the band, but the fact that they did it to open up this run just felt kind of, it felt symbolic in some ways. So I really dug that. And for me after that, the rest of the set could kind of just been anything or it would have been cool. Yeah. It's interesting <clears throat> when we were at the show at set break, if you look at the rest of the set that follows the Rockdale, we were like, Okay, so tonight the only thing we're gonna get is is Rockdale. Um, like it felt <laughs> like, in terms of jams, when you look at the way the rest of this set unfolded, it, it was weird. Um, and actually, you see this again on this tour where they kind of show up in the first set and do a real like first setty first set, if we can yeah. call that an adjective. Which is not, which is not like out of the ordinary for bands in general. It's just Goose is a band that has never really done. A, a nine or ten song first set so it's yeah, weird they, to see from them but 
and they typically will go hard in the first set too mm -hmm. and they didn't go hard in this set and that rockdale was really really good i i really enjoyed that everything must go was probably the best everything they must go to date it was slightly extended um, which is good um old man's boat thankfully came early in, in this run so i could <laughs> do my my bathroom review uh, of a show the which, met bathrooms like, were great the be Met bathrooms <laughs> much better than the cat bathrooms. Yeah. We, we touched on this in the day after. Uh, we did. Uh, there's a there's a good discussion about this. Uh, yeah, <laughs> um, but no, it's important. There, there's a thing that you have to do, and like I, I feel like I have to bring this up that when when you're at a goose show, there is a game that must be played, which is when old man boats old man old man's boat starts, you need to go to the bathroom and return, maybe even get a beer if like the venue's right, and return yeah. before the jam section. And so I did that in this old man's boat. That's a race and it's, it's all a game a good... and it needs to be done. You know, it needs to be executed. Well, I think mm -hmm. I did that during this old man's boat. Oh, wait, maybe I didn't, maybe I had to wait because I couldn't get out. I can't remember now. It's all like blended well... together. But then again, um, <laughs> it's a fun game. Off, I, uh, yeah. Met theater bathrooms. Pretty good. Better than the cat. I think that's the upshot there. And then of course, thatch bucks. There's no like deep analysis we're ever going to do on thatch <laughs> other than like, I mean, like, I'm oh going to talk about God. the Ryman one <laughs> in greater detail yeah. than this one, but well, of course, I, I think there's like a lot more to talk about there. Uh, but, but this one killed them. When they finished it, you know, there were there were high fives going around. There were hugs. There was excitement about like this being the best batch they played. And then, you know, of course, the best batch they played only lasted for how many days? Four days, yeah. The, Four days. The it was the best. Every thatch is the best thatch since the last thatch until the next thatch. Well, um, right, but it's like a really you, exciting Mark, yeah. time, and like when you're going to see a band, and you can say things like that, right? And I, I think people find that kind of discourse exhausting or annoying, especially when they're not following closely. Um, and Most like people aren't listening maybe to this I, podcast. <laughs> well, maybe I don't blame them, but uh, it's true, and this is a good example of that. Where, I mean, they went out there, destroyed this amazing new song. And then showed up a few days later and destroyed it even more. And then but, showed up a few days after that and destroyed it even more. Yeah. That, yeah you're lucky man. to be, we're lucky to be at a point where there's a band that's unveiling songs like Thatch in addition to everything that was unveiled in early 2022. In addition to the stuff that's been unveiled already this year, which we're going to talk about one of them in a second. Like all, all these new songs are just clicking immediately, which is so cool. Well, and that every version, as you're saying, Neil, like it one ups itself. It's like the yes, band hears exactly. something in that version, uh, but you know they don't want to, because Thatch kind of needs that power. Like mm -hmm. still, it, it I, I would be really curious to hear them open us. Well, I guess they opened Goosemas uh, Night Two with it, but you know that was um, they were like picking songs out of uh, out of a bag. Or so like, yeah, I think songs. it was a little more right, right. So I think there was a little more structure to it, but like it'd be interesting to hear them open up a set with thatch and just kind of let it go. Cause it has a natural jam area. They've, they've uncovered that. Um, I always, I think of thatch as like a good version of fuego. And that's, that's really, that's, that's where my head's at with this song. It fucking rocks. It's got this prog element to it. And it's just like, it actually I, rocks. I love it. That's, that's not the first fish comparison that would come to, I, I don't know what fish comparison, if any, but fuego is not at the top of the list. Uh, yeah, just that like that rocking like weird time signature uh, aspect yeah. to it. I love it. Just that, just that one specific section of Fuego. You mean you're talking? Just about. that one. Okay, <laughs> that 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 makes more sense. 
Second set here, uh, we've got Animal, Feel It Now, Echo of a Rose, Turn Clouds, and a Mr. Action Encore. Um, you know, I love Animal as a song still. I personally think Animal is best suited as a, a five-minute iteration, something like we saw at Red Rocks or Radio City last year. Um, they are enjoying, though, using it as one of these patient jam vehicles. Um, the only difference is it's just kind of hanging out in the animal groove for 15 minutes, um, which I feel like the time may be better served elsewhere. Um, but you know, it's fun. It's a, it's a solid groove, you know, dance to it. Um, let them, you know, explore the space, feel it now is one of, one of those debuts, uh, that we talked about that this one immediately got a reaction from the crowd. Second time played ever. Um, people were, people were in it immediately. Like th this one clicked at the cap. This one clicked again at the Met. Um, obviously, I wasn't uh, in attendance for the one at the Ryman, but I'm sure it clicked just as well. Um, this song is great. You know, it's kind of settled into this role as like a 10-minute. Um, and I, I say settled into this role as it's, it's only been played three times. But settled into this role as a 10-minute kind of second set dance party. is kind of a bridge between, you know, the opener and a big jam or another jam and another song. But it works really well. In this placement and then of course we get the patient jams patient jam of this tour uh this echo which wow i i kind of you know at, at the show i was kind of in awe of how long it felt and how it was like oh my god this is still going on like what um but yeah this this was amazing you know that kind of dark drive to the peak they get into at the end um peter tapping his guitar to create like weird sounds um, as they're going to the peak, you know, also notable is Peter did not play a single song on his guitar. This entire show um, did not touch it except for in this jam. Um, and I played Neil's bathroom game at the beginning of turn clouds. Um, as soon as I heard the first notes, I was out of there and back before uh, Peter's organ solo, which was great, much needed after that echo jam. Um, and Mr. Action was a surprisingly great pick for the encore. I, I quite enjoyed it. So I want to address Turn Clouds first. Um, okay. There are other people who see a lot of Goose shows. Yeah. Um, uh, Mike Dubois, um, who is kind of like an OG fan. Uh, I ran into him at the bathroom at Indianapolis last year. And a bunch of people, and I was informed that, as long as we're going to do fish comparisons, that Turn Clouds was, uh, was Goose's possum. Um, insofar as, not musically, not musically. These, these parallels are weird. <laughs> but the the song that you you absolutely rush to the bathroom during, which I don't know <laughs> if I necessarily agree with, but there is a large contingent of people who see like a whole ton of goose shows who are like, this is the song. This is the song when I hear it, I'm running to the bathroom. But I mean, there is a lot to love about this set. Feel it now is it's just exciting. And again, it's it's exciting that we have this opportunity to see a band that is going out there and playing their best music um, or putting out their best songs right now. Like, I don't know if Feel It Now is like their best song, but it's one of their best songs. Um, and I, I think the fans really enjoy it. I enjoy it. Um, you know, Animal is Animal. And I, I think it's one of those songs when you start to go see a band a lot, um, it might wear on you. But that song hits and the crowd does feel it. And I think the energy that that brings to the audience uh, at any show is is good. And so I'm excited anytime they play Animal. I think it's like a, 
you know, it's a shot of espresso uh, into the whole audience and gets everybody moving. So I love those two back to back, you know, you have animal first and then feel it now. I feel like that was an amazing pairing to start off a set. And then of course you, um, you get this echo of a rose, which on load. <laughs> yeah. And like this jam is really, really exciting. This is another example of like the patience, but this is the patience working really well. And the best it has worked yet on this tour is one of my favorite, favorite jams that they played the whole entire tour. And it, it lacks gimmicks. There's not like a whole section where they come down to nothing and then kind of pull a jam out of a hat, which goose will do. Like they will kind of pull a jam that you've heard before out of a hat that happened at the Ryman and, and a jam that people are really, really high on, which we'll talk about later, but that didn't happen here. This all starts with an idea and they follow that idea for an incredibly long time. And it, the, the peak that results from this or the peaks that result from this are incredible. They're, they're masterful. It's, it's wonderful. Everything about this jam I love. And this is what I love about improvisational music. You can get to a place from just a simple idea. There's no trickery or stopping and like trying a new idea, just like stretching out an idea that was really, really good and just taking a riff and running with it. Um, same thing happens with Ryman Redbird, I think later where you just take this riff and run with it. This goes on longer than that. And holy crap that I have a fun time during this jam. I was in the audience. I was with Vickers, the famous Vickers. Um, and I don't think anybody in the venue had more fun than him during this. I mean, it was nuts. <laughs> it's true. I, I could see you guys during this jam. You guys were, you, you were both very happy. I've talked on the pod before about Neil's during a show smile and how it's very wholesome. Um, but yeah, the two of them together was was quite the. Was I mean, that was like beyond smile. It was like you know jumping and like fist pumping, <laughs> and I mean, because it had like everything you want to hear in a jam. I mean, it was just it was so good. Um, one of my favorite jams of the year. I'm not going to assign a number to it. I think I'm going to retire from that for a while. But it hits up there in the top <laughs> two, in my opinion, and not attendance wise. Like I, I think I just love the way this jam works and the ideas behind this jam. So, uh, just killer. Yeah. I think you said everything about the echo. I'm on the exact same page with you. I, I think the only thing I'll add is like, <clears throat> you talk about like the magic of improvisational music with a song like this, like the, the, the way that this jam unfolds almost makes me think of like, you know, you're in a high school band and you may not be very good, but like you all find a groove and you may not be able to hold that groove very well, but you're just kind of like, let's never stop playing this because whatever we're playing right now is the greatest thing we will ever come up with. And the echo is like that, but like for a very, 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 very talented professional band that is like taking lots of people's money deservedly to play rock concerts because they do this really well. Like there's nothing complex about this echo. It's just, here's a groove. Here's a theme. Let's never stop playing this. And like this jam could have honestly gone on for 60 minutes and I would have never have complained. I know Ryan would have complained because he doesn't like long jams that don't have a destination oh, okay. to them. All I know right. I'm just giving you shit. All right. <laughs> I, I get to come on to your show and give you shit. Okay. But That's like, you know, this, this I is what come we on do. to your show and give you shit. Sometimes. Exactly. Exactly. It's a, it's a, it's a mutual affection. Um, the one thing I will say about the echo that like strikes me every time I listen back to it. I don't know the timestamp, but it's around like 20, 21 minutes. Trevor just goes fucking nuts. And he just starts like, 
it's a slap, but it's like, it's, it's like Mike Gordon in 1994, where like when he got excited, he just started like hitting notes and emphasizing notes. Um, We're going to talk about it a lot as this tour unfolds. Trevor is my like breakout star, like breakout performer of the entire tour. I've always loved what he's done, but I've always felt like he's been too low in the mix or he hasn't like uh, stepped up in the way that like, a jam is happening. Everyone's connecting. And then now you hear Trevor's addition to it. You hear it so much throughout this entire tour and especially this echo. He just gets so loud. The jam gets so intense behind him and it adds something to the last four or five minutes of it. Um, I have this echo as my fourth favorite jam of the year right now. I'm, I'm so, so into this jam. Um, feel it now. Just from a song standpoint, I'll just say one of the things that first attracted me to Goose uh, was their affection for indie rock music. Um, the cover that they play of Inside Out by Spoon was the first song that made me be like, I need to go back and listen to this band. I need to understand what's going on here. There's no reason a jam band should be covering Spoon, and yet Goose is covering Spoon, and I absolutely love it and feel it now. It's not a Spoon song, but it, it's in like a, a, a 2010s indie rock vibe. I'm very into it. I want to hear from the world's number one spoon fan uh, over here. Neil. Oh, Do you okay. agree with the comparison? Uh, what of of goose to spoon? Well, I, you're the world's number one spoon fan. Like, we well, need just to... to be clear, I'm not comparing feel. I'm, I'm just saying feel it now. It's got like a very vibey uh, indie rock feel. But I, I didn't know that yeah. you were a huge spoon fan. Like that that uh, um, they want my soul. That was my number two record of 2014. I absolutely love it. Um, so. <laughs> <laughs> this is a running joke behind the scenes, okay. uh, which like uh, <laughs> I I I am a huge indie rock fan. I I took I took almost ten years off of jam band music, um, starting with Fish 2.0, and then returning oh, in two thousand nine. Okay, um, and and these guys like to tease me because I say Spoon I appreciate, and I, I think Spoon <laughs> is a great band. But Spoon is like not up there on my Mount Rushmore of, of indie rock bands. So what they like to say is that like I love Spoon for some reason or another. It's become a thing. But I will say this: as long as we're on the topic of Inside Out, it's far and away one of Goose's best covers. And I think mm-hmm. that's why I started getting that teasing. Um, in terms of like grabbing, no, I agree. Just a random indie rock song and and just absolutely crushing it. And that's hard to do, right? Like Spoon. I think is one of those bands that like any or jam band should suck at playing. They should be right. terrible at it. Right. They should be <laughs> exactly. absolutely fucking awful. Well, it's like they shouldn't, and, you know, like, they shouldn't be able to cover Father John Misty or like right. Bony Vare. Right. Like, well, know. I think they they go out of their way to do that. They find those songs to say like, hey, like we are not. This is not who we are necessarily. Like these are the the kinds of songs we're capable of doing, and I don't think they're. I mean, honestly, I don't think there are really any jam bands out there capable of doing that right now. And I think you find that in their sound, right? To circle back to Brian's point, that like when you listen to a song like Feel It Now or um, Lead Up, for example, mm. you're you're hearing this indie rock influence, which is amazing for somebody like me who absolutely loves indie rock music. Like it almost like doesn't seem real seems like this was like manifested by me sometime in like totally. 2007 where totally. I was like, man, I wish there was a jam band that like also was like into this music that I absolutely love. And here we are. And here we are. And we, here we are. 
we should we should we should talk elsewhere about this because I I have a podcast just about this. So let's 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 talk about this. This is right a good, this go. is a good thing. I love it. But there yeah, I'm I'm right there with you and um feel it now, man. I'm I'm yeah. I'm very into it. Let's hit Philly night two. Not not the Philly night two. A different Philly night two. Yeah. So you know when we talk about Philly night twos. Yeah. This is number two of Philly night twos. Right? <laughs> uh, but that's okay. Uh, that's absolutely okay. So March twenty fifth. Uh, at the Met once again in Philadelphia, we have set one, Dr. Darkness, Yeti, an incredibly extended born that goes into a cover of the band's W.S. Walcott Medicine Show, Butter Rum, and then Seekers 1 and 2. And I think when I talk about this set, I think there's one notable piece that we should really dig in on, which is this born Walcott, yeah, I know. Uh, oh yeah, hilarious. Uh, <laughs> um, but like, yeah, this Born Walcott section is is really really good. And the I don't know this this Born is polarizing because there are people who hear this piece of music and they say this is one of the better jams they've done on this tour. I think there are other people who hear this piece of music, and I include myself in that crowd of saying like this is an example of again the listening, the patience that we've talked about that didn't exactly work out. But as a fan, I am okay with this. So we get, how many minutes is this, Ryan? This is like 25-ish? 29. 29, okay. So 28, 29. 29 minutes of, of Born, And then, of course, like I'm going to brush past the fact that this is the new arrangement of Born. Um, we might have hammered that to death already, but... I think we have. <laughs> yeah, so, but like talking about this jam, I mean, they were, they were listening. They were waiting for something to come to them, and then nothing ever came. And I think that's okay. When you look at this over the course of a tour, I think if you're at that show, maybe you're disappointed. You're like, well, shit. Like, you know, something cool should have happened there. And it didn't. And I was at that show. Um, So, uh, yeah, I I mean, I can say this about that jam. It's it's exciting that they're at least going out there and and trying to let this happen. Mm -hmm. I think that's what I have to say about that board. Yeah, I, I, I'm kind of in the middle of the two camps on this born. Um, you know, I really, really like the contemplative and calm space that they get into for a really long time in this born because like it's not super high up on my playlist right now, but because of the fact that they can restrain themselves for that long. Because they've shown in the past that they have a tendency and still sometimes on this tour where they're where they just kinda like bail on a jam and be like, All right, peak. Like, you know, or like build back into the song. So this is really cool because it's like 15 minutes of just like calm space, like Peter's laying down textures on different keyboards. Like, so this is, this is very important for their development uh, of their improvisation. So this may not rank very highly, you know, now or at year's end, but it's going to be a jam that years from now we look back on as like, this is an important jam for their development, I think. And um, I, I think it's very funny how Rick tried to do the segue into Walcott at around like 22 minutes in, and the rest of the band was kind of like, ah, we're not ready yet. Um, and so they, you know, they kept going. Um, you know, Neil, you were next to me when they, when they like did that, and I was like, I was ready to tweet uh, for the set list and be like, they're playing Walcott. And then they kept jamming. Um, but I was very excited to get my first Walcott um, at this show, um, you know, 
Bring back the Walcott Jam, please. We haven't seen that uh, in just over a year. Um, that's a song that has been jammed very well and I believe should be jammed again. Uh, Solid Rum. And then I played the bathroom game again uh, with Seekers. You know, you go to the bathroom at the beginning of part one. You're back for part two. Perfect. And Even this spot late... is, is Goose Bathroom Games. Yeah, yep. This is it. Uh, I mean, I, I normally wouldn't go during turn clouds I, I needed it after the echo um but this this seekers um you know we've talked about on the pod a lot late first set is prime seekers placement so i was very happy to see this here um yeah that's that's my that's my first set yeah i so in the moment i loved this born i was on the couch uh texting with a couple of buddies we were freaking out about just how patient it was um and the fact that it was the third song of the show just felt really, you know, like a. it felt important in the moment. I think as I've listened back to it probably two or three times since this show, I'm right there with you guys. It has dropped down a little bit on my overall list, um, mainly because they don't really find a resolution there. And, and whereas like the echo is kind of a sustained single, you know, idea theme, the echo has a lot more re-listen value, whereas the born feels kind of like a jamming exercise. I'm right there with you though, that like, I, I want them to do more of this. I, I have the patience and I, I have the desire to hear this band work things out in real time. Um, so while this, I don't think will, it'll probably end up on my larger playlist uh, at the end of this year, because it's, I think it's really important. I don't think like, I'm going to go back to it with like a strong desire every, you know, couple of weeks and be like, I got to hear that born again. Um, mm-hmm. Although I love, love the reworked version um, you talk about indie rock. That is, that is a war on drugs song, and I'm so here for it. I'm <laughs> so here for this. Um, the other thing I'll just say about that segment is, <clears throat> I loved the way they came back to the theme of 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 Walcott. Went into it. It's not a full Walcott. It feels almost kind of like, you know, let's just throw this like like it's a couple verses out. <laughs> it's faithful to the cover. It's just it feels like, um, you know it felt a part of born in a sense where, where, where it felt like a true segue. And it felt like we don't need to fully play this song. We just need to give you guys the idea. Butter rum felt like an extension of that. Everything now, since the um, cap butter rum, it feels like a song that's kind of building on itself. So really dug that. Um, and I'm right there with you. Seekers is a really good late set one kind of moody piece. Um, but yeah, this was, um, I think more than anything, this first set was just kind of a sign of like the band is going to be pushing this tour. And that to me more than anything is a good thing. Mm-hmm. Right. And I, I think that's the important takeaway from the set and, you know, this whole tour really, I think this born is actually emblematic of the, the whole tour, right? Like they're going to give it a shot. They're going to mix up songs, right? You're going to get different arrangements of songs maybe. Um, and then they're going to, you know, they're going to let it happen and they're going to be patient enough, you know, I've said this before and I don't think I've ever said it on the pod, but I've said it behind the scenes. Like Goose does have crutches. Like when, when things do go wrong or things like aren't getting anywhere good, you get a couple things that happen, but it usually starts with Rick where Rick will just kind of like open, like not playing like any notes at all. Yeah, just, just like, like open guitar. And then like you go like into a peak and he didn't do that in this. Like he didn't say like, you know, like, fuck it. I'm done with this. Like I'm going to, I'm going to do that thing and like bring us to a peak. So, I mean, that's cool. That's exciting. So they're playing without a net to some degree. 
and and that is is something to really be excited about. Um, all right, so set two, um, and there's some, I mean, there's some tasty stuff in this set, mm-hmm. and this set is not, I, I don't know, it, it's, it's an not like a, set. It's an interesting set. So what you get is SOS, which like that fucks every time, right? Absolutely killer. And mm-hmm. then you get lead up, which is my fucks every time. My, yeah, fucks every <laughs> time. It's my favorite of the new originals. And I think this one, when it actually goes into a studio and goes through kind of a producer, mm-hmm. is going to be a very different song when you hear it come out the other side of that. Um, when it kind of gets worked with somebody who's outside of the band who's trying to make this into, you know, something in terms of like a, I, I don't know, a recorded piece of a music, hit? which I, I yeah. think is different than, than what you get. Like when a band lets songs like this kind of, you know, develop on stage and then you get mm-hmm. so ready again, not a jammer, but a, a song that absolutely fires up the crowd. Uh, and then you get a Rosewood heart into Dripfield. Um, and then, of course, the Love Light Encore, um, which is, you know, the Love Light Encore. But, I mean, there's so much cool stuff in this set. Right? There's, I mean, there's a lot to really love about this set. I think if you're the kind of person who hangs their hat on jams, like, you're you're walking away from the show, like, saying, like, oh, well, I wish there was more. But, man, like, SOS is just, like I said, it fucks every time. And then, like, lead up and then so ready and then. You get a rosewood in the show, and it's it's a good rosewood, mm. and you finish it off with dripfield to close its set. That's a, it's a killer set. Great drip as well. Uh, but this SOS was, uh, you know, for the two of us, uh, Vickers and RJ, uh, this was like the hardest we danced all weekend. Uh, I think, um, and we were all like kind of out of energy after the SOS peak, like at at like the same time. Like we were all, you know, just like going absolutely nuts and then we all needed a breather um which i think was really funny we all kind of recognized that it was like okay that like we're not we're not capturing that kind of energy again uh tonight but that this was fun um you know love lead up so much um i i was a little bit dismayed with the so ready call um in the moment you know on paper this is not really what you want to see happening um in a set two but as you said, Neil, fires up the crowd, um, great for energy, and they had a great fourth quarter with this Rosewood into Dripfield. Uh, Brian, I know you really love this segment. Yeah, I love the way this set ends. Um, I'm not a huge fan of the way that the set starts. I think it's just uh, set listing-wise, it felt a little clunky to me. I'm, I'm on the same page with you guys. I think lead up, like the chorus is just, uh, I mean to hook man it's a freaking earworm and and it's it's it sounds like they're writing like an 80s ballad that is uh gonna be you know number three song on the billboard charts for like six weeks in a row and have an amazing mtv music video like it just I, I'm, I'm i'm into it uh i was right there with you the so ready call kind of perplexed me i was i was on the couch texting with a couple of buddies um i was ready for a monovan personally yeah, I felt like we were at a point where like we needed something really big and and you know, it's it's an interesting thing about Goose and it's an interesting thing about where they're at in their career right now. Who knows what they're going to evolve to 3, 4, 5 years from now, but at this point in their career, we can rely on extended jams mixed around whatever else that they play. So even if they play a couple songs that they want to play that may not connect with you in that moment, um, you know that you're probably going to get a jam right around the corner. And for someone like myself who loves the jams, you're going to get a jam right around the corner. Um, 
drip field top five goose song for me i will fully admit in the moment i was like drip field never really jams it's had some really great moments 10-1 is my favorite drip drip field to date 310 last year was a really good version this version takes a left turn at about 10 minutes and 40 seconds and the rest of the jam just blows my mind. I absolutely love it. Um, Mr. Ryan Storm here told me I had it ranked way too high in the days and weeks after this. I have since uh, um, uh, re-listened, and you were you were correct. It's it's still in my top ten of the year, though. I think more than anything, you know, Dripfield is such an accomplishment songwriting wise, and such an accomplishment instrumental wise. I'm sure you guys have talked at length about this so i won't bore your listeners with it i will just say that like what a showcase for the drumming segment of this band and that song itself could just be that song every single time when they're played it live the fact that they figured out a way out of the drip field theme felt like something that we we're going to hear multiple times throughout this year that they're going to play drip field they're going to figure out a way to jam out of it and it's going to be really really stunning because it's such a cool musical space for them to start with uh, I was so into this and um, I just, I, I, every time I've gone back and listened to this strip field, I've just kind of gotten goosebumps. It's, it's a really, really great moment of the overall tour. And regardless, my thoughts on the rest of the set that just made up for it completely. Yeah. You get a cool pairing here too. Rosewood historically has always been a good showcase for Ben Atkins drumming specifically. Yeah. Um, so you get two very killer like drum songs back to back. Uh, and I think you do get a pretty awesome segment of drumming in in this Rosewood. Um, but Ryan's right. Looking back and we're thinking about this tour, this is the set we were expecting a Madavon in. We all had dinner beforehand. Megan from HF Pod was there. And she was like, what do we, what do we expect from the show? Mm-hmm. And Ryan and I were both like... Madavon's coming. Like they, they, yeah. we, were, we were 100% certain of a Madavon. Guaranteed Madavon. Um, but alas... No matter. Alas, alas, when when it did pop up, it was not on your fantasy picks, which we'll talk about, you know, later when when we get yeah, there. Yeah, 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 sure. Um, but I think we're ready to do uh, to hit Cleveland here, uh, back in Ohio, uh, for the first time since when was that? First time since Legend Valley. I think that is. Did they yeah. go there? They didn't go there for the Taboos. Nothing in Taboos. Uh, was show oh oh since New Year's uh, Cincinnati Cincinnati yeah yeah first time first time in show Ohio in 2023 um, absolutely phenomenal way to open the show uh, you know this was uh, if, if for anyone who doesn't know quick recap I woke up at four o'clock in the morning at Philly um, I flew home to Toronto and then at around one o'clock in the afternoon my friend and I decided uh, fuck it we're gonna drive to Cleveland um, and so <laughs> you know. I drove to Cleveland um, on two hours of sleep uh, and we made it uh, to our hotel like half an hour before the band went on. Luckily, uh, shout out to uh, friends, uh, Josh Diskin and Jeff Captain Incredible for saving us some seats uh, in the balcony, but we got there uh, just before the band went on and it was an awesome show. Um, Although I did kind of run out of energy towards the end of the second set, but First set here, we've got All I Need, The Whales, Caution, Jive 1, Cali Magic, Jive 2, Jive Lee. Um, was it the Cleveland Califecta that Jeff was calling it? I don't, I don't remember off the top of my head, um, but he had a very clever name for it. This All I Need is uh, like, wow. 
absolutely amazing. You know, this is the closest thing we've gotten to a second jam since August as well. Um, but, you know, they take this first jam and we see that like swagger and ego Rick um, come into play here, you know, where he's just ripping, um, you know, as the jam's going on. It feel, felt like kind of a slower pace um, than a lot of other jams we've heard come out of All I Need. You know, the song felt like they were giving it a bit more space to breathe, at least tempo wise, you know, but he hits the wah and it reminded me a lot of the Goosemas pancakes and just it's this is Rick showing off. Um, and it was awesome. And then they returned to the song seemingly to close it out already would have been a fantastic jam. And then, you know, as they're in that, like building towards that final chorus, Rick just kind of like turned around and just like shook his head at spuds. Um, and then just kept going off into this gorgeous, gorgeous bliss jam, um, which was so cool. You know, we get a nice honeybee tease from Peter, a lot of footnotes, uh, on the set list for this show. Um, I almost ran out of space in the, in the graphic when I was making it the next morning to post. Um, but yeah, this was great. You know, the whales has grown on me a lot. We talked about this on the day after pod caution is phenomenal. Um, and then, you know, like this jive Fecta, you know, awesome jive one. Callie's always great jive two crushed, um, as it always does. And then the first jive Lee in 18 shows, which is a, a fairly long gap for the song. Uh, you know, we've seen a couple of gaps around that length uh, in the past year, but the reaction from the crowd, especially because we were an hour and 20 minutes in uh, to the set when Jive 2 ended. So, you know, I, I and everybody else was ready for the set to be over after that. And they hit into that riff of Lee and the crowd just went nuts. It was an amazing moment. This jam is amazing as well. Uh, fantastic groove. Little Feel It Now tease. When I was listening back today, I discovered a nice little Peter Bubblehouse tease um, in there as well. Um, but man, what a set. Yeah, this was a really good first set. I, I liked this first set. We'll talk about set two a little bit, but I like this first set more than I like the second. I thought it just had great energy, great song selection. Um, the All I Need has that absolutely gorgeous solo at the end of it. I was... <clears throat> this show started, I feel like it started a little earlier than the previous nights. I don't know. It was a Sunday night. And all I remember was I had kids in the bath. I was getting like dinner cleaned up. I was trying to clean up the house, get us ready for the week. Goose came on. All I need's going. I'm grooving. I'm going around the house doing my chores. And then at some point I just like stopped in front of the television and I was just like standing like a foot and a half away, just like mouth open, just like, what the fuck is going on right now? How are you guys <laughs> playing such beautiful music 17 minutes into the concert? And text started coming in and I was just like, it's 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 the the magic zone of where this band is at right now. Um set ending with Lee. Ryan knows, knows this. There are all caps Lee text messages that come from me constantly because in this house, we celebrate the Lee. It is the grooviest goose song there is. I love it so much. Every time it comes on, I just get this like giant smile on my face and the band just, they sound like they're jamming in a studio with nobody listening, but instead they're playing a rock concert. It's, it's so awesome. Um, and to have that close out a, you know, getting the whole jive trio, uh, uh, sweet, if you will. Um, just a great set, tons and tons of energy and the type of thing that you expect them to do in Ohio at this point. 
Yeah, this this first set is is vintage goose. And I was actually pointing this earlier when we were talking about like how first sets unfold. Mm-hmm. Goose is not known at least historically as like a first setty kind of band. And right. they come out there and they like lay out their ballads and then they come out second set and then, you know, they absolutely jam it out. And like that's what this first set is not, right? This first set is they're going to come out and like punch you in the face with like an absolutely incredible all I need. And then mm-hmm. just like blaze through some like hot songs all the way through. Right. So you well, all of the jives, which is absolutely outstanding for the and, sixth you know, time ever. Only all three being played in the same show. Wow. Right. That's cool. Yeah. And you get caution, which is, you know, as, as far as covers go, this cover shows up in some pretty amazing shows. Right, like one mm-hmm. I will point back to is um, is Essex Junction 2020. They played mm-hmm. Caution, yeah, mm-hmm. amazing mm-hmm. show, absolutely amazing show. And so this shows up in pretty pretty great places. But I mean, what what an amazing set! And you know, you get a couple kind of like slower sections with the whales and California Magic, but otherwise this set, like Ryan said, packs like probably the biggest punch of a set in the whole entire tour. And it does the other thing that Goose is known to do, which is on, on the biggest shows, they come out there and play a really, really long set. And then you think you're in for something big. So Philly Night 2, which we already talked about, like that's an example of that where you're like, okay, so tonight's going to really crush it. Didn't really happen in the second set, which kind of points back to like vintage Goose, like 2019 Goose, where they come out there and they just absolutely kill you with one set. And then like you get another set that's maybe not, so yeah. great <laughs> mm-hmm. um and i think that's actually what happens here but what a, what a cool set and i mean that all i need is is outrageously good mm-hmm. it's i mean and, and you know you, you were worth... talking about the rick swagger thing yeah. which like i love it, you know when i got into this band i think one of the reasons why i really like this band uh was that there's not much ego in rick's playing we've yes. talked about this yeah. before and but when there is that's also like really, really exciting. And you're starting to see that more and more. You pointed to Gooseman's Pancakes, which you know I love I a do. lot. <laughs> uh, I still think it's really good. And I, I think people don't give it as much credit as it deserves. But yeah, you know, it's funny how my perspective has shifted. When I first liked this band, it was just like, well, you know, they're a unit. And you don't need like, you don't need Trey in right. a band necessarily. Right. Does Trey make Fish an amazing band? Sure. Um, but like, it doesn't have to happen. But I guess what I'm shifting on now is like, as I'm starting to see it more and more with Goose and things like this, this is exciting stuff. And he's capable of being that kind of insane frontman who's going to go out there and just absolutely shred and blow your mind. And it's cool when those moments come up. They're not necessary, which is part of the reason why I love this band, but they are exciting. Yeah, I, yeah. it's it's such a good point. And I, just to tie a bow in it, um, I feel like we've watched him grow into that. Um, so I start I started listening to Goose in, in 2019, and I was I was in a very similar uh, reaction to where you like one of the appeals to me was it's it's not all about one member. Um, they have this great guitarist who's clearly been to the school of jerry garcia and trey anastasio but also they have the indie rock influence and he is the type of guitarist that is allowing the other musicians to shine and they are all peaking as one 
you've got to imagine the last year has filled him with a lot of confidence and reassurance about his craft and about who he is. Not necessarily that he needed that, but like it's got to have been pretty good over the last year to get the professional reassurances that you are doing something really, really special. And you hear that, that pancakes that you talk about from Goosemas, I was standing right above you guys. And I just remember looking at that, like watching the stage when he goes to the wah, he kind of like turns to Peter with this just like shit eating grin on his face. Just like yeah. listen to it, you know, almost just like listen to what we're playing right now. And the band that was just when like I think along I, it. I think Neil and I said to each other at that moment, it's like someone's been listening to Fall ninety seven. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no shit. But but this Absolutely. all I need has it, and like you know, this show, the second set's okay. You're really lucky to get a performance like this. All I need yeah. in any show, regardless what else comes. So uh, this I, this is the thing I'll go back and listen to, and I'm mm-hmm. just stoked about it. Yeah, my friend and I said to each other after All I Need ended, we were like, yeah, this was worth the spontaneous drive. Like that that jam alone. Like I was like, they, you know, they could play two, you know, two and a half hours of my least favorite songs after that, and I would still call it a win. <laughs> um, so set two, uh, you know, we, we've alluded to the fact that it's not a strong set one, but it's it's not a bad set by any means. It's just not, doesn't flow as well and doesn't jam as well, um, which... I guess kind of makes it a bad set, but (laughs) I just gave, I was like, it's not a bad set except for these two reasons that basically make something. It's fine. The the take on me jam is really fun. There's really good songs played, but I don't see my, I haven't, I've gone, I haven't got gone, gone back and re-listened to it after the the performance. Um, So we've got the drive, uh, jamless drive, except for that ferocious guitar solo. Um, Then we've got the first take on me in, 196 shows last played December 13th, 2019. Wow. Uh, so that's a, that's a long yeah, one there. That a long time. Um, take on me with the, the pseudo Dave's energy guide jam um, <laughs> where Rick is basically doing it for like three minutes straight. Um, Neil's going to talk about his energy master bullshit and whatever, but um, this was fun, you know, fun like very classic sounding 2019 goose jam like we're gonna take take on me and then we're gonna play you know a dancey jam off of it for 10 minutes and it's gonna be tracked separately because of royalties um you know so this it was fun and then into the mist this was a fantastic version um not a super extended vocal ending but uh get a nice little trevor solo get a nice little peter solo and then rick uh takes it so this was you know, cool to see from this jam. Honeybee, um, not the placement I'm looking for for Honeybee by any means. Um, I don't dislike the song, but I do not want to see it in this slot uh, personally. I do want to shout out um, the band and crew who got surprised coach um, with a new rain stick um, at this show. You know, very nice gesture uh, to him. Um, I heard that um he was panicking initially when they you know were like come out we're playing honeybee because he had left his rain stick at home uh like the older one um but so you know very very nice gesture uh and gift by the band show their appreciation for coach uh got him a new rain stick ear to ear grin uh during this honeybee so that was that was nice to see uh and then you know straightforward arrow to close the set nice little streets of cairo action uh in there from rick um and then shama encore 
um, yeah, fun set. Yeah, this arrow, I don't know if I would call it a straightforward arrow. It, this is a pretty good arrow. And arrow is one of those songs that I think we've heard enough versions of arrow that are really long that don't really end up anywhere that like all other versions that come after it, we kind of immediately write them off. I don't know if that's the case with this arrow. Um, it, I don't know if I'm going back to listen to this arrow like a whole ton, but you know, it's a pretty good arrow, but otherwise on the set, like, yeah, really abbreviated drive. Take on me is probably really cool. Um, if you're at the show. Yeah. I, like, I don't know if like I'm checking out, take on me like a whole ton. Mist is always good. Um, honeybee placed there only for the gesture, right? This was all like kind of band theatrics to do with coach and kind of like mess around with coach and, and all of that stuff. So, I mean, you know, that's all right. You know, it's an okay set. Kind of on the same page. Um, I will just say, Shamalama Ding Dong, I would do anything to hear that at a goose show. I am on board with all Motown goose covers. I will I will take the heat. I will take the hate. I am here for Motown Goose. Just if 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 you're out there, guys. So I will be at Red Rocks and I would love to hear this. So I, I have a question for you, Yeah, Brian. yeah. So as someone who is a jam purist and also really wants to hear Shama and the Ding Dong, there have been a couple of versions of Shama, um, Eau Claire 2021, for example, mm -hmm. where they open the second set with creatures and like 12 minutes into a creatures that seems kind of promising, they segue into Shama. How do you feel? So I know what you're getting at. And I think ultimately, um, that's a that's the one drawback for this song. I think that the song is kind of the perfect encore, standalone mm. kind of a like. Have you ever heard Motown and not enjoyed yourself? Like it is just one of those styles of music that, like, when it comes on, even if you did not grow up in the nineteen fifties, nineteen sixties, of which I did not, you get nostalgic for like a life you never lived and like a life you've watched <laughs> in the movies, and it like it looks like uh, it looks like a midwestern you know dive bar on like a Saturday night when people are just like dancing and having a great time. And, you know, just like feeling like the vibes that you felt in like boomer America when like everything was growing and the economy was amazing. Um, it just, I don't know. It has this like just uh, element to it. That, like as a standalone encore, I'm totally here for it. as something cutting off a jam. I totally understand your frustrations with that. Solid. Not... Yeah, that resonates. You know, it's like Sam Cooke, right? You yeah. Can put on Sam Cooke, everybody loves it, right? right. So like, it's never bad. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I like that actually perspective on Shama. I'm going to take a new, new kind of look on Shama, and and put it in that light. I, I mean, I, potato, I haven't always loved it. Shama, I, Shama. Uh, yeah. So I was at Eau Claire, so I know what you're talking about, Ryan. Um, but in any case, yeah. Shall we move on <laughs> then, to the next show? Yes. All right. So March 28th, uh, Georgia Theater, Athens, and this show. I mean. This show is a really, really interesting show. Before I start reading off the set list, like kind of some commentary on the show itself, this is the show that you get when Goose plays like a 2018 Goose show in 2023. Like it feels like they're playing at a bar. 
they're playing in front of people that have never seen the band before. And they just want to go out there and play a selection of songs that are going to, you know, let people have fun. And I think that's what you get with this show. I think there are ways to look at the show. I think you can criticize it and say it didn't have a lot of what you were looking for in a Goose show. But if you listen back to like old Goose, when they're playing in like very, very tiny rooms in Connecticut, this is the kind of show that you would expect to get. Maybe, you know, you'd get a couple more jams, but like, this is an exciting show. I think it's a fun show and it's really, really cool. So to dive into the set, you get in set one, Tumble, uh, an actually pretty good Time to Flee. And then Green River, Flow Down, you get Thatch again, uh, which they've been playing the hell out of. I think it's like five times so far this year. Silver Rising, then Empress of Organos. And then again, we were talking up earlier about kind of goose playing songs from like the early aughts or 2010s that like, you know, remind you of, of music that maybe you were listening to back then you get Trevor Reed's poetry and Trevor Reed's fuck the pain away by peaches, which reminds me of college so much. Uh, but you know, maybe I'm old and a lot of folks have no, but I knew what it was right away. A bunch of my roommates used to listen to this song and like a Friday or Saturday night, right before going out, it was, you know, I lived with like a, a, a like kind of a split house of like guys and girls. What year was this? Sorry. Um, so it was a split house. <laughs> there was like, there was eight of us living in a house. I think there was like four girls, four guys. Um, and uh, they, they would put the song on before we went out, uh, which is like amazing. Out of all the songs on earth to choose to do, kind of incredible, um, you know, little crass, but good. And, you know, they finished it off with a, like an empress kind of section to close that actually is pretty hot. I enjoy the hell out of this like last yeah. section of Empress. Once again, you get, you know, it's the year of big T. Trevor is incredible and he leads the jam out of this and does a really, really good job of being in charge of the jam, which I don't think you really see a lot of, uh, of Trevor, but there's a confidence there. It's not just that Trevor's playing's improved. It's that he has more confidence in his playing and he's willing to step out in front and do these kinds of things. Um, not saying the Trevor Reed's poetry part, but more like leading out of the chant. So like overall, this is, this is a really fun set. It's long when you read it on paper in terms of like the number of distinct mm -hmm. items that were played in the set, but you know, overall pretty cool. And then also in front of, I think the smallest crowd they played in front of in quite a while, um, if not only just this tour. Well, yeah. since December, but yeah, th no, this is a fun, th uh, I was about to say fun thatch, which it is. Uh, but this is, this is a fun set, uh, for sure. Tumble, you know, straightforward 20 minute tumble opener, which again, another thing where it's like, ah, oh, they open with a 20 minute tumble, whatever, like, you know, pretty cool that we can do things like that. Yeah. This flea went in a cool, interesting direction, a rare unfinished version, uh, great segue into green river, uh, great cover you know we see that chugal coming in uh once again uh which is like you know def coined by ccr so uh flow down of course uh the thatch that was the goat thatch for a whole four days um pretty pretty impressive that you know they, they one-upped it again immediately um and then silver rising which is always such a great song and then yeah neil you kind of you kind of covered uh, all on this Empress. I really, really like 
the jam on the back end. Um, I personally had not heard Fuck the Pain Away before. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I, I enjoyed, I, I enjoy a poetry reading. I, I loved this whole set. I loved this whole show. This had a vibe to it um, that I, I was there for on a Tuesday night. It felt like it matched <clears throat> being in a bar-esque venue, like you guys are saying, the sense of playing in front of newer ears and trying to trying to win people over, but also playing in a very loose way. Um, a lot of jam bands come down to Georgia and they have an absolute blast. It seems to be a part of the country and, and the Athens, Atlanta stretch in particular, where people are just having a really, really good time. You hear about this in the NBA. If you play in Atlanta on a back-to-back, you are completely screwed because you come to Atlanta, you party. There's some things that you get into that you don't get into in other cities in America. And you <laughs> show up on the court and the Hawks just completely wipe the floor with you. Goose came and brought that kind of energy to Athens. It was very, very cool. Peter coming out wearing the Georgia Bulldog shirt. Tumble's my favorite Goose song. Coming out and opening the show with a 20-minute tumble. I'm totally here for that. The Chugle, Out of Time to Flee. Uh, I'm a, I love Flowdown. I'm a huge, huge Flowdown fan. Uh, that is where I think that they tap into the possum energy. That feels like Goose's possum to me. Um, maybe controversial statement right here. This is my favorite Thatch played to date. The dissonance that they get into. I'm really, really into it. Uh, I like this just ever so slightly more than Nashville, although I think the Nashville version is fantastic. Uh, Silver Rising, great, great ballad right there. And then to close this out with um, just a killer empress, goes into poetry, goes into fuck the pain away. I was right there with you, Neil. I knew what that was. Friends friends and I were texting each other, laughing about it. I mean, it's just one of those things that takes you back when when you hear a song like this. And for Goose to kind of tap in that energy, it's them saying, hey, elder millennials, we see you as well. We know that you guys are fans of this band, and we are here for you. We are not just even a though, Gen Z band. Yeah, e- even though I don't think I've ever seen an audience with where the median age is so close to mine at any jam they, they band see show it. ever. They see it. So they appreciate um, you know, it, cool, cool of them to do that kind of thing where, you know, tickets were pretty much only available to Georgia. That uh, was cool. Georgia State University, Georgia University. University of Georgia. Uh, University yeah, of they, Georgia. they made it available, it sounds like, at the student union. Just a very cool move. Or, yeah, there was like a box office, but you could only get tickets if you were a student. So there were so many people around my age at the show. It was like weird to see on the webcast. It's like, wait. It's young white guys instead of old white guys. Like what? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it was cool that they did that. I mean, it would be neat if they they did more shows like this, right? Um, you know, this was a staple of what, mm. what made Fish great, right? Like, if you think about like ninety two, ninety one, they were just like going College play in towns. colleges yeah. and like you know, like fraternity party basements and like burning down. Yeah, a, yeah, a yeah. Frat and, like, party. Yeah. I think that actually built like you know, the following that they ended up like having like later on and cool that goose is doing this. Now they don't really have to do this. I think the whole model has changed. Um, and, but they wanted to play Athens, which is an incredibly historic place. You think about the bands that have played Mm -hmm. in Athens 
over the years, like jam bands, like indie rock bands, or the bands are right. from. Like I mean, it's just it's yeah, it's such a cool place and and cool that they showed up and and yeah. kind of played this show there. It's 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 you know it's nice that they kind of showed up and said like let's do a different show uh, for this crowd. It feels like a college yeah. party show. Absolutely. It feels kind of like anything can happen. We're going to reference this. This song will segue into this. Like it just, I love yep. everything about it. Yeah. There, there's definite though. There's more improv um, in this show, like packed into this really good college party show than another kind of Southern party show, which, you know, happens later in the tour. So I, I'm kind of these two shows bookending the rhyme and run. Uh, it's interesting to look at how they're executed differently, but there's, one very compelling piece of improv, I feel, in this second set that, while not making my playlist, it is something that I have listened to a bunch already. And we'll so we're talking about Slow Ready so. right now? Is that what we're talking about? Okay. Yes. But yeah, I, no, I, let's I, do I it. Uh, so second yeah. set, we get Arcadia opener, then Slow Ready uh, into Rock the Casbah. You know, Jeff fans rejoice. We finally get a lead vocal Woo! performance for, Jeff from, from Jeff. And then you get a hot tea, turn clouds hot tea. And then, of course, the escape, the, the always divisive escape encore, the Pina Colada song. So, shout out to the guy in the hotel. In yeah, who just absolutely like, trashed Goose for playing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You know. The funny thing is, like, in, like I don't want to like spend my time talking about this set, talking about uh, escape. Yeah. But escape. like, it's grown on me as a song. I, I mean, it, it is a throwaway song. And a show yeah, like this? It's super fun as an encore. It's perfect, yeah. perfect show. And like, for you this. know, I saw them encore with this in Montana. And I like, I was actually like live streaming the show um, because it like wasn't streamed. And like, I think it like, it like picked me up like trashing Escape like on the live stream, <laughs> which I was embarrassed about. But like, no, <laughs> like looking back, like it's i don't know it's fun it's a fun song and it's it's okay to have fun at it show. has its place it is. I, I feel like i feel like it works better here than it does encoring a show like bozeman last year yeah maybe i don't know like i said it i, I think when we we talk about this stuff like we we get bogged down in talking about jams and we want to hear high quality improv but sometimes it's okay to have fun at a show I think we have to remind some of our friends that every once in a while. And yeah, th this show is a fun show. Take <laughs> it at face value. It is a fun show, not a bad encore. But yeah, I mean, you get some really cool stuff in this set otherwise. You know, you get an Arcadia to open off a set, which like, I mean, Jesus, that's great. And then, you know, you get a you get the best slow ready they played in a while, which is also pretty exciting. Yeah, I'm on the same page with you guys. I thought the energy of, you know, what we talked about <clears throat> in the last show, the Cleveland show, where there was a ton of energy in set one and it didn't seem to carry over into set two, I felt as though it carried over here into set two, where I feel like this was a complete show. I have it ranked as my number six show of the overall year so far, which, you know, some might say, is that low? I don't know. I have it on my list. I like it a lot. I thought this was a total vibe. It was the kind of show that if I was at, you know, I'd want to have an edible and a couple of beers and I would just be smiling and like in a groove. Like it's, there's nothing insanely mind blowing played, but it doesn't necessarily need to be. And I think that that's part of the reason I was talking, I was texting with a buddy the morning afterwards 
he went to bed after set one we were both streaming it and he was like how was set two and i was like i loved it so much i said i love the entire show and he goes you enjoyed turn clouds and uh escape late in second set and i was like they both fit perfectly like i'm not a huge turn clouds fan uh I've texted the, like like essays to Ryan about why I don't like Turn Clouds. You, you have texted essays in defense of and against a lot of songs. <laughs> well, but Turn Clouds are really which is really a, which is a, a testament to your you know right. how, how verbose you are about this kind of stuff. This song worked in such a wonderful segue out of Hot Tea, and it and it, it added to the overall energy of the set, where it was incredibly loose, felt like anything could happen. The highlight, obviously, here is Slow Ready, which was the first of two times where I freaked out thinking that we were going into Eminence Front. Um, I still think it's got to be on the table. They are messing around with the theme from that song. Mm -hmm. Um, But this was a great Slow Ready. I think this was my favorite Slow Ready since Charlotte last year. Does that sound right? Are there any getting at that point between now and then? then Yeah, no, that that is – this is the first – kind of kind of really jammed out one since Charlotte last year. You know, there have been a few where they've kind of used the ending of Slow Ready and that arpeggiator to segue into yeah. something else. Uh, this is the first time that they really jammed it out, which is why I think we all initially were like, oh, they're going to go into Eminent Front here because it's been so long since they actually jammed it um, and it's been used as like a springboard for segue. So yeah, this was awesome. Crowd Sing Along in Arcadia, which is, of course, always such a great tune. And yeah, this this was this was a fun. It felt very accidental stumbling onto turn turn clouds, you know, especially because yeah. they just played it a couple of shows prior. Um, but yeah, it was it was really cool to kind of hear musically. You know, they're they're playing hot tea. Pierre goes to piano. You know, turn clouds starts in the same key, um, and it felt they were just kind of like, oh, we're playing turn clouds now. Okay, <laughs> you know, and they went with it. So that's. That's a cool thing, you know, when when something like that isn't planned, uh, it just kind of happens. Um, yeah, that's. Uh, you guys got anything else on this one, or shall we Nashville, hit Nashville? Baby. Let's go. Let's do it. All right. So first night at the Ryman, uh, we have the the Atlas duo. We don't have a name for this yet. Uh, this is the second time these two songs have been played together. Uh, I believe it was yep. the other way in the fall else um but we have atlas dogs into atlas uh followed by butterflies indian river everything must go and rockdale i absolutely adore this set this this might be this might be the only set that rivals cleveland first set for me uh for this tour um i i I really love how it played out the flow the jams the execution like you know this atlas jam um, gets to some really cool places in its relatively short runtime. Butterflies is killer. I don't understand the dislike for this song. Um, mm, I no, really yeah, love this yeah. song. Yeah. Um, this is one of Peter's best songs to me, and I love, of course, the weird time signature ending. Um, Indian River. Um, you know, the band claims, or, or Peter claims, that this is the the Welcome to Delta arpeggiator jam that happened here, um, which. I hear how maybe it's like a reworked Welcome to Delta jam, but nobody ever actually plays the Welcome to Delta riff. So in good faith, I can't note it as being a Welcome to Delta jam, even though Peter told me that that's what it is. Um, so, you know, 
that that's that's, bold. The, that's the dilemma. That's bold. It's um, going against what the band member told you. But hey, I mean, I my ears don't lie. You like you guys agree they don't play. Well, the maybe the Delta riff. It sounds like its own yep. unique thing to me, but um, it was really cool. It. It's just a jam. It, it was really record. cool. I do enjoy that that um, little that little yeah, piece. It was and really cool. you know, it's nice that they did something different because. To be honest with you, the Welcome to Delta Jam tacked on to the end of Indian River was getting, I don't know, like a little bit long. I don't want to say boring, but like mm-hmm. you, you knew that you were like locked into 12 minutes of stuff that like you've heard before and like you weren't going to get anything that was going to knock your socks off necessarily. And I know like if Brian, if, mm-hmm. if Jive Goose were here, that's exactly what he would say. Yeah. And I agree 100 percent. Probably uh, in yeah, harsher probably. terms. Uh, yeah, you get that. I don't know, man. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> I mean, like, uh, for sure, it it is really cool, and it's nice that they're mixing up that all. song a little bit and doing different things with it. And yeah, I mean, that's pretty great. But I mean, there, there's so much good stuff in the set. Brian and I talked about this. Uh, Brian Brinkman, um, this butterflies jam. To me, I've said this a bunch. Like, you get this droning jam in it that is like part of the song that I think can absolutely be fleshed out. It reminds me of like early 2000s, like Yola Tango, or maybe even like, you know, yeah, mm-hmm. like early 2000s. And like, you can just hear what can be done with that. That can be stretched out for another five minutes. And I really, I would love if the band just took the opportunity to do it. And I've said it a ton on this podcast already, but that that 15 minute version, that 20 minute version of, of Butterflies, it's coming. They just need to be brave enough to do it. It's coming. And like, I, I, I just hope it's soon. <clears throat> yeah. I loved this overall, this overall set. I'm right there with you. We I only got halfway through, but yeah, I mean, I, <laughs> yeah, you're right. This, this set ends with a really nice, everything must go in Rockdale. I, I just, I, to your point, I loved the, uh, um, the, uh, the yeah, overall vibe of it. It was, it was, oh, yeah. it was very, very similar to, to Cleveland. Uh, the Indian River, I, I, I really dig the <clears throat> that ending jam to it because it fits the re- re- the reworked 80s synth take on it. But right. this fits it a little bit better than Welcome to Delta. Um, so while I've heard some Welcome to the Delta jams off of Indian River that I really liked, uh, I believe, what was it? June 6th last year from Essex has a really nice yeah. one. I believe that 429 has a really nice one as well. Um, I may have that date off by one or two. 427 two or 20, 428. Yeah, it was sometime in late April Charleston. last year, right around the time that Charleston I played show. Sweetwater. I think 428. Um, was Charleston. Um, either way, those were two of my favorite jams from last year. It made, made my year-end list. Um, this one I really dug. Um, I think I have it just looking at it. Just like at the bottom of tier two for me, just really, really solid first set uh, version. And then Rockdale, great Rockdale to end it. Just a ton of energy. Yeah. My brother and I were watching this on the couch and every time they went for a peak and we thought it was the last peak, he just went, oh my God, Rick, what are you doing? And he was just like <laughs> so happy, so into yeah. it. And just like a great way to close down a really, really solid, uh, strong set. This is, in my opinion, the best Rockdale played in Nashville. Um, I, I think this is better than the one from last year. This one ranks high on my playlist right now. Um, I tweeted earlier today. It gets better every time I listen to it. Um, I, I yeah, I'm looking at my list. I have this, this pretty, pretty high up. I think this is like in my top 15 right now. It's a yeah. really, really good version. 
I have it higher up than that. Um, but I, I, I love, I love this Rockdale so much. And I mean, this everything must go. Also, we'd be remiss if we skipped over it entirely. You get a few little seconds of kind of maybe we're going somewhere else. Um, so potential for the future, but you know, song continues to kill. What what a beautiful first set on paper musically. No notes. I'm very happy. Yeah, you know, this rocktail's good. It's a really good rocktail, like like Brian said. I've been known to count off peaks in rocktails because it's like a fun thing to do. Because you get like they're not even false peaks. Yeah. It's just like, you know, like a peak and then a peak and then a peak and then a peak and it's just such a great song, man. And this is a very, very good version of the song. Certainly the best they've played this year. Um, I don't know if I'm going to go in full agreement with you on the best they've ever played in Nashville, but uh, it's it's good. It's really, really good. Yeah. Hell yeah. And then set two of this show, we get Wisteria Lane, The Way It Is, Creatures, Pancakes, White Lights. Uh, this is, um, I believe, the first non-core show of the year. Uh, they ran up against the Nashville curfew. Um, but th this Wisteria is my current jam of the year. Uh, this to me is absolutely phenomenal. You know, you have these two distinct sections and I, I listened to it, I think three times today. Um, all three times they get to the end of that first really raging section. And I'm, I'm like, yeah, that jam is really good, but Maybe I'll move it down a couple spots. Then I like go and I'm like, oh, wait, there's still 12 minutes left. Never mind. <laughs> so, you know, just really, really amazing jam. Great segue into the way it is. Um, you know, sorry, RJ, that this happened the show before you were there. Um, you'll get it eventually. Um, and then, you know, creatures, pancakes, very, very solid jams. And then a very quick white lights uh, to close it out. But all in all, great set. Um, you know, I think it lacks a bit of the flow of the first set, um, but this is overall one of the strongest shows of the year so far, I think. Yeah, I've got this Wisteria Lane as my number two jam of the year. Um, you and I are very predictable. Our, our jams of the year are the exact same songs that they were last year. Mine was <laughs> the Madhavan from Raleigh. Yours was the Wisteria Lane from San Francisco, correct? Yep. So we, 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 we both need goose to like break that cycle at some point and give us something that, <laughs> yeah, that makes me change Play for from, jams from, out of other songs. <laughs> I'm, I'm a Madhavan bias. I, I, I mean, it's hard not to be with this band, but, uh, um, and we'll talk about that in a couple of shows, but I love this Wisteria lane, that groove that they fell into that riff that they kept playing and just rising all together. There was a, I, I mentioned this, Neil, when we did the pod, but like there's that, um, there's a camera on Peter as they all hit on the groove and as they all kind of rise with the groove and the whole crowd's reacting and Peter's got this big smile on his face. It was just such a cool moment in the show. It was uh, kind of similar to what we were, we were talking about with the jam earlier in the, in this uh, uh, six and a half hour long episode that like I'm blanking on right now, but you know, it was, it was that thing of like a riff and like once that riff takes hold, the whole band takes hold and the crowd feels it. It's just such a special moment. Um, only other thing I'll say about this, I mean, I really like the pancakes, but I really like creatures in this spot in a show. I don't necessarily love creatures opening the second set, but if you throw creatures midway through a second set, I feel like it just works really nicely as it's not going to anchor the whole overall set, but it's just going to add to the overall vibe of it. It's going to groove. And this was a really cool little version. 
um, pancakes raged and then, um, white lights as the, uh, faux encore, um, you know, these 48 to 60 minute set breaks are part of the reason why we don't get encore sometimes. So, you know, we could adjust that from a structural standpoint, but you know, I'm, I'm torn because if we did that, we don't get this Wisteria lane right here. Cause it was, it was one of those moments where everything just connected. So love this Wisteria, love this set one. I think overall, um, I, I, I have this set or this whole show ranked third of the year for me, basically on the entire first set into the start of set two. So really, really good stuff. Yeah. Only thing to add like is, you know, this is a strong Wisteria in a different Wisteria. This one is just a rocker. Yeah. There's no kind of like exploring super psychedelic spaces, which I think you get a lot of in Wisteria's. Like this one just kind of rocks throughout. Doesn't have like the darkness, I think that we got in like some Wisteria's from last year, but it's really cool. I I think I'm not as high on this Wisteria as others, uh, especially Ryan. Uh, but it's it's good. It's it's a very good wisteria, and yeah, I, I I mean I don't know. Maybe there's something missing from this that like I could have used more of. Um, like there, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm comparing it to wisterias of the past because we got like so many good ones. If you think about through 15 shows last year, what we had, the the body of music that we had to look at. Um, and the wisteria that we got through 15 shows last year, it's like very different when juxtaposed against this. This one's like kind of straightforward. I think it will be eclipsed in, in short time. I think many of the jams that we're talking about actually on this tour will be eclipsed in short time. But um, yeah, I, I mean, mm. it's it's good. It's It's got a lot. Let's put it that way. But uh, yeah, I, I just, I don't know. I wish it just had like more uniqueness to it. But this one kind of feels like it, it sounds like other like goose champs to me. And I, I wanted more hmm. from it. But like, I think maybe I'm the outlier on this one because uh, plenty of people have said like it's absolutely wrong and I have no idea what I'm talking about. But you know what? Like, I have to say it because like, I mean, I, I, yeah, we all say right. that to each That's other. True. Um, but I have to say it. I have to say it about this particular wisteria. But, you know, the way it is that came out of this is like amazing. Um, you come from this like giant peak uh, that's like coming out of the end of this wisteria where it's just like kind of this rumbling jam. And then you get the wisteria that comes out of the back or the, the way it is that comes out of the back end. Really cool and great to throw that song in there. Awesome. Poor RJ. Everybody knew that he wanted that one and uh, didn't happen uh, just one night before, which Goose has been known to do. If for some reason or another, you put it out into the universe that you are dying to see a song, they're going to play it either the show before you go or the show after. Um, case in point, the show after I was at the Capitol Theater, they played Jeff Engborg, which is the only Goose original I have not yet seen. So uh, there you go. That's what happens. Wow. I think you bring up a really interesting point about Osteria. And I'll be curious if they if if this five, six months from now, looks like a fairly standard jam um i think the thing that i enjoy the most about it is it's a two-part jam and that first real rock segment just like aligns around a really hypnotic riff but as this band is developing as they're evolving in real time 
that approach may seem outdated in five, six months. And I think to your point, like there were more exploratory jams than this type of approach in March of 2022. And so this may feel, um, I don't know, basics, the wrong word, but like, I think that there is a simplicity to it that just like relies on groove and energy that connects with a lot of people. And at this point in the year really, really connects with listeners, but I'll be curious to hear if, um, kind of your, your thoughts on it, like pan out where like over the next six months, like they play three or four more wisterias that just like raise the bar on the song. Cause it is a song that's in that period in time in the band's history where like every version seems to raise the bar and where the For song sure. is at. Mm-hmm. Okay. So right. yeah, well, 31st. night two, Ryman. Uh, and like, this is a, this is a pretty interesting night. So March 31st at the Ryman. Mm-hmm. So set one, you get turbulence set opener, which I love. Uh, Dr. Darkness, I mean, this whole first set, actually, <laughs> to pause, is kind of really, really interesting when we're kind of going back and forth between talking about, like, Goose going out, like, the punch you in the mouth with the first set, and then Goose going out and, like, playing with a, you know, a very first setty first set. But that's what we get here. So Dr. Darkness, The Whales, and then Ate Up All the Cake, which, you know, Goose can play this, like, any time, in any set. And, and, and they have and it, 67 place. shows. And I absolutely am going to love it. Um, and it was killer at this particular show. Then you get Elizabeth. And then finally, finally, you get Not Alone. So this is the second Not Alone that they've played. And I think it was like, what, how many show gap at this point? Like close to 10, if not 10. And yeah, so Dang. I mean, we were wondering when this song was going to come back around again. I mean... It's a slower song. It probably didn't hit that hard at the cap when they debuted it. But I think this song is a remarkable piece of music. And I was worried at this point that they weren't going to play it again. Like maybe they just like played it and they were like, you know what? This one wasn't ready. We're not going to play it again. But they did. They played it here. And it, it's it's such a beautiful song. It's so good. And this is another one of those songs that like I can't wait to hear what happens when they bring it back into the studio. And then... They close off the set with this arrow. Um, I don't have a whole ton to say about this set. I think there are some people out there who are really upset by this set. And when I say that some people, I say chop. Uh, I think he had a lot of words to say about yeah. this set. <laughs> um, and I think that's actually like, colored my view of the set. I think there are pieces of the set that are absolutely beautiful and certainly worth revisiting. I think Goose playing... Bon Iver anytime is awesome and worth revisiting. You slap that on your playlist, whatever, like you're driving a work playlist. And then again, this, this return of not alone and it came back so great. And I think it's such a killer song. So, I mean, there, there, there are elements of this set that are, are worth looking at and being excited about, but otherwise, I mean, this is a ultimately a, you know, a jam free set until the very end. Yeah, the the last the last you know five or six minutes of Arrow are yep. really really good, um, I think. But you know it's it's pretty standard Arrow up until around the twenty minute mark um, or wherever that is that, that happens. Brian's shaking his head, so I'm, I'm excited to hear his take on this. Um, but I think this is definitely the best Arrow in you know a long time since um, Peach. Yep. Yeah, it is. Uh, I, I think so for sure. 
Um, you know, we're used to seeing these long arrows that don't really get to much. Uh, this one got some stuff, which was very, very exciting. But yeah, I, I agree with you, Neil. Love the Bony Bear cover. Um, you know, 67 show gap is too long. It's too many shows to go without playing this amazing, amazing song, especially when you're getting like four electric avenues in that uh, <laughs> in the in that time, you know. Um, but yeah, other, otherwise, you know, not a ton to say about this set. More chugling in Elizabeth. Yeah, I'm right with you guys. I have nothing to say about pretty much the entire set until Arrow. Um, decent song selection, very first setty first set. The type of thing that like a lot of Fish fans have come to expect from Fish, um, or to like pair it with like another jam band. It felt kind of like um, a late '80s, early '90s dead set, where it's just kind of like. These are some songs we play. We're just going to play them. There's no real pressure for anyone here. We're just kind of like playing music in this. I'm sure that the venue sounded beautiful for them. So to play some of these songs in there made a lot of sense. Um, but this Arrow Man, <clears throat> it's my number five jam of the year right now. Peter and his synths add such a new idea, so many new ideas, such new tones to the approach for Arrow. I could not agree with you more. Arrow became this inside joke among friends and i that like well the goose set came out or the goose show came out on nugs and they played a 28 minute arrow and it sounds exactly like the last arrow that you heard that was 28 minutes long and i'm always here for a 28 minute jam even if it doesn't do anything but arrow just kind of got a little sterile by the end of the year and there's some decent versions but like two of the first four show four goose shows i saw had amazing arrows uh Denver uh, Sculpture Park 710 has a really cool jam at the end. Um, and then they open up with a 24 minute arrow on 1122 at the Mission Ballroom that isn't the greatest, but like it, it was just a really good way to usher in um, the tour finale. This was the first time I was really excited about arrow since about mid 2021, late 2021. And I thought this was an outstanding version. I've watched it since uh, since the show happened. I've listened back to it multiple times. It's all about the keys and it kind of adds to my favorite thing about this tour is Peter's keys, Trevor's bass just added, they, they percolated up through the sound. And I don't know if that's a mix thing or I don't know if that's intentionality in terms of the way that the band is evolving, but you could hear their contributions in a way that not that you couldn't in the past, but they just felt more dynamic. It felt more um, immediate in terms of their overall approach. And this arrow really signifies that from a Peter standpoint for me. So rest of the set happened. It was there. Love this arrow also. Uh, I didn't say that when I was kind of reading off the set, but it's the Peter show. This is Peter kind of doing yeah. like whatever Peter wants. And it, it hit. And like, I'm surprised Ryan is not the biggest supporter of this being the keyboard aficionado that he is. Um, but this this arrow is good and it gives me hope for arrow or arrows to come. It's it it is a very, very good arrow. I, I think again, the funny thing about arrow is we've heard enough arrows that sound the same all the way throughout that we've kind of become desensitized to like what a good arrow really is. And I think there are a couple arrows back yeah. to back that like aren't so bad. They're actually pretty decent. And this arrow. Yeah, I like yeah. the cap version. So, like, yeah. you know, this arrow is, I, I think, really good. I think I just, this one deserves more listens from me. I haven't really gone back and listened to it a ton. But I, I do think that one aspect, like, when we were talking about it, like, in group chat that particular night, we were saying, like, this is the Peter show. Like, Peter's, like, finally showing up and just doing, like, whatever the hell he wants. And it's taking the, the band to really great places. 
I think it's worth noting, just looking at Arrow's stats, um, it's only been played 41 times and it only has three versions after its debut that have been in a 10 or more show gap. This is a song that immediately went into the rotation and almost mm. immediately became a jam vehicle. We're now three, four years into this song's development. It could become something completely different in the next four or five years. They could figure out a way to like lead it into jamming territory that we we don't expect right now. I think one of the nice things about this song is it's always been one of those songs that's just been a reliable jam vehicle for the band. You think about the Red Rock show, not a ton of jamming happening at that show. They play Arrow to open up the second set, and it's really that one time that they just allowed themselves to just go with the music, forget about the environment, forget about where they were at, and just like play a jam. It's not the greatest jam, but it, you know, it works in that moment to give us jam heads at Red Rocks, like the big type two moment of the overall show. So I'm I'm really curious to hear where this song goes over the over the course of this year because the first two versions have been stunning. Awesome. So second set, we get Hunger Sight and then Feel It Now, Big Return, Bob Don, Drive, and Rosewood Heart. And this Rosewood Heart is just wonderful. Um, but also, like, I mean, yes. you, you have a set like bookended with like absolutely incredible songs. I think this Hunger Sight is really, really good. It does like, what? yeah, Blank like, bro. I mean, what I, what I think Hunger Sight really should do, you look back at like, Philly Hunger Sight. There's some people out there who really love that one um, from like the Philly run. But like, you know, th- this <laughs> this is what Hunger Sight should do. You, you know, start off your second set with this incredibly strong song that has an equally strong jam segment to it that I think is is absolutely fantastic. And then, of course, you get another version of, of Feel It Now, which is awesome. And then you get like Bob Don, which has like the amazing guitar solo, which I've like already like touched on, and then you get an abbreviated drive, which is like, kind of a bummer, um, and then this Rosewood Heart, which I think is, I don't know, I just love it. I love this version of Rosewood Heart. I think Rick's phrasing in this one, he really leans into this kind of like non-linear like soloing thing, where like he doesn't end phrases in this jam, which he does I think through like a lot of Rosewoods historically, but I think he does it better here than he does in many, many Rosewoods. And then it leads into a jam that I think is absolutely spectacular. And I'm going to revisit a ton. I'm a big fan of Rosewoods, but like, I do want to touch on Rick's phrasing in this, which is just, it's just perfect. It's very Jerry-esque. It never ends. He never resolves mm-hmm. on anything. Yeah, He's just continuing to go. It never gets boring or like weird or repetitive. It's just, it's fucking killer, man. Like, that's all I can say about it. Yeah, you you had said that. Yeah, you had said that on the on the day after recap. Um, and I went back and listened, you know, with that in mind. Uh, and I was I was really struck by like, wow, like that. It's a really good way of putting it. Um, but yeah, th- this this is a cool set. You know, not not a ton of deep improv outside of the rosewood. Um, you know, again, flamethrower, hunger sight, feel it now is great. Lots of fun. This is a hot Bob Don. Um, and again, more mid-second set Bob Don's feeling like amazing, amazing placement for this song right now. And, you know, we're big proponents of the Bob Don with, but, you know, Neil, we were talking about the night of the show and kind of after the show, like with would not have been the right move here. Right. Um, so th- th- this worked well without, if you will. 
Um, you know, and then another jamless drive, which I'm hoping this doesn't become a trend. You know, we started the year off with this incredible 28 minute version at the cap. Uh, and then we've seen two jamless versions since then. So hopefully that does not continue. Um, but yeah, I, I want to, you know, Neil, you, you cover this rose really well. I, I want to highlight that, that section at the end where Rick and Peter get into this, you know, like ascending lick thing that they do. Um, and the rest of the band latches onto it. And it's just a really cool moment of interplay. Um, but Brian, I know you have a lot to say on this Rosewood and I'm going to throw it over to you to talk about it. Yeah. I mean, I'm on, I'm on the same page about the, uh, the Jerry licks and the, the, the way that Rick took the lead on there. I think Rosewood is, it's, it's probably the deadiest, uh, goose song we have where you have this like quasi ballad that has, um, you know, just really interesting introspective lyrics and it leads into a jam that, um, you know, it, it doesn't need to be fast, but sometimes it turns itself into a groove, like the version from the cap. Um, sometimes it can be really exploratory with no resolution. Like it just allows the band to, um, kind of sit back and just, just ride a really interesting musical passage. And this one does it until we get to the end of it, where it moves into like this very brief, very exciting fall 94 jamming from from goose where we just get like weird time signatures and they stop and then they start yelling and then there's distortion and there's feedback and it just like all logic is gone i mentioned this at the top of this like when we talked we were talking about patience this ending segment is kind of that next step of patience i would love to hear from this band where they allow themselves to take a step off the cliff it's very dangerous. Failure can happen musically. Blanket touching. It's blanket touching. Absolutely. You can play music that your fan base or members of your fan base actively hate and are offended and repulsed by, but it's those types of challenges, <laughs> those types of moments that bring a band together, that bring fans together, that terrify everyone. And then yeah. <laughs> you get you your blanket right there. You come back to the resolution of Rosewood. You know, everything's going to be okay. You got an encore of Empress, like, Everything is going to be good. We're going to be fine. We're just kind of meddling with the darkness over here. And, um, yeah. you know, I don't want to push this band in any sort of direction, but I would love to hear more of that terrain, that that Glens Falls Madhavan sound that I, I love so much. That Goose yeah, is I, I put this in the, the same category yeah, you, you, as you, the, the Redbird from, from Roadrunner that kind of starts this tour where they, they find mm-hmm. this space incredibly fast. And it's such a cool, amazing yeah. space. Like it's not something that happens like slower over time, but it's just awesome. And this is the kind of stuff that I get excited about. This Rosewood is like one of those things that like, when they're doing that, that end segment there where it's like almost start stoppish, where like they all are just so incredibly locked in. Like this is the kind of thing you get when Goose strings together a whole bunch of shows. Um, like they really are improvising incredibly well and listening mm-hmm. to, to each other incredibly well. The way that like, like you said, you know, Rick and Peter kind of started on this thing and then percussion picks up right on it and like is right there with them. I mean, that shit's exciting. That is, that is cool stuff. And yeah, this Rosewood absolutely killer. And then of course, Empress Encore. Yeah, man. Uh, not much to say about it. Yeah. Yeah, and as you said, Brian, there are people in the fan base that will hate it, and then there are <laughs> crazy people like us who will absolutely go nuts for it. So, hell yeah. 
Moving into night three of the rhyme in April Fool's Day, April 1st. Um, you know, band comes out for the first set dressed as each other. Um, you know, I mentioned this on the day after show pod, but fans of how this Jive Lee opener sounded should go back and check out the June 19th, 2020 rotation jam from the bingo tour. Same exact uh, configuration. You got Peter on bass, Rick on drums, Trevor on guitar, Jeff on keys and spuds on percussion. And it's a really cool improvisational moment, but this was great. You had the little details like, you know, Spud's thrown in the, the this set is for the ladies. Um, <laughs> as, as Jeff, uh, you know, Jeff taking the picture of the crowd and saying like, you know, we're really stoked to be here as Peter. And of course, after the song, uh, Rick as Spud's shouting out his second cousin, Dennis, uh, who's not at the show or watching the stream, uh, but wishing him a happy birthday. So good. Regardless. <laughs> um, so they, they, you know, they, they nailed the bit, the costumes, uh, you know, we've all we've all seen that, you know, the Peter as Trevor, um, the, the Peter as Trevor memes. Um, but, you know, year of big P for a shining four minutes. It was the He's year a bass of player, big man. P. Uh, yeah. And man, Peter can Peter can, yeah, can rip play. up that bass. He sounded amazing. He was he was driving this Lee. Um, I don't know if I've ever seen Jeff so focused while playing music like he was really <laughs> he was he was making sure he was hitting that G chord uh right on the organ which was uh a lot of fun um but from there we move into a fantastic first set uh particularly segment towards the end of it but we get a flow down next always fun lead up continues to be awesome blood buzz ohio what an amazing cover um again you know you guys have the more indie background than i do like i hadn't heard this song before goose covered it uh but i really love the way they do it um and then we get in my opinion the perfect tumble which they discovered by accident uh back in the fall for anyone who doesn't know the first time they did vibey tumble or tumble if you will into regular tumble um they they had planned on opening the show in new orleans with regular tumble um but coach had written the accent um on the set list um, and so when they went on stage, Peter started setting up the, you know, vibey intro thing. And so they were like, okay, I guess we're doing this. And then Rick decided in the middle of the vibey tumble jam, like, fuck it. I'm just going to start playing the composed section to regular tumble. Then they transitioned to the jam there. So here it felt right, felt very well executed. This tumble was fiery. It was amazing. Uh, it's not on my playlist. Um, but I I've gone back to it a whole bunch because I love the vibey version. I love the way they transition and I love the way that the jam goes. Peter's guitar tone at the, in the early section of this jam is absolutely nuts. It is, it is nuts. Uh, it sounds so good. Um, and then of course we get thatch, um, which is the Peter show. Once again, clav everywhere. So much clav. Um, I love clav. I don't know if anybody knows that about me, um, but I, I'm, I'm a big fan of what happens here. Um, you know, that, 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 that like last build where it's just, he just like hammers the low end of the clav uh, with no wah on it. It's like a, like a machine gun firing. It's so cool. Um, that fucks. Anyway. Yeah. 
great also person. like an incredibly fortunate glitch in the live stream if you were watching the live stream like i was yes um, <laughs> and, like it actually like stops on like peter just kind of like going like this like over and over and over again from like a side angle <laughs> of course you can't hear if you're listening to this but like um is incredible and it, like it's so good and there's you know there there are images out there that where you can watch like that segment and it's like totally worth checking out really cool but like what a good set man i, I mean th this set standing alone not even thinking about the second set which is outrageously good is just awesome like i feel like they were loose and they were having fun and they were just letting things happen which that is what happens when you get the best goose right and so you know they came up there they did the gag they left for a little bit came back and i don't know it's something about the band when they're just having fun and playing music and you just get really kind of amazing stuff and you know, that flow down to come back and then the lead up, which is awesome. And then Blood Buzz, which is like one of my favorite covers that they do. I think I kind of lump like all of these. I, I think I say that like anytime we talk about one of their indie rock covers, but this one's killer. Like I love the National. I've loved the National forever. Um, it's outrageous that this band plays covers by the National and such a good song. And, you know, the really interesting thing is when we talk about songs that they've picked out to cover as like incredible vocal performances, Rick's voice sounds nothing, nothing like the lead vocalist from The National. Nothing at all. Like he's like very baritone yeah. singer. Um, Rick is not that. And, you know, so they actually in some ways make this cover their own and is still pretty great. So, you know, sometimes like they're doing it true to the original artist. And then there's this, which is very different than kind of how the national originally did it and you know what an awesome band i think they are somewhat like hooked in with the jam band seed to some degree or another you know they have the dead covers out there in the universe that you can go and listen to and so i think this is great and like any any set that it shows up in is awesome this tumble also awesome we've talked about this before on the podcast this mix-up of you know the the tumble or tumble uh, and the the best parts of both songs, really, right? You get that composed section of the the regular tumble, and then the jam that comes out of tumble, killer. And it doesn't have to be like the jam of the year to enjoy this. This like I've gone back and listened to a ton, mm -hmm. outrageously good. And then this thatch, of course, as we keep talking about thatch on this this kind of arc over time, this thatch is outrageously good. And yeah, the Peter show. The, the, that one section he does with the clav is so ridiculously cool. And yeah, I, I just, I love everything about this set. Yeah. I'm right there with you guys. Um, I I'll, I'll just, I mean, I'll, I'll echo everything you guys said, but I, I thought the intro, the, the, um, uh, the gag, excuse me, from from Jive Lee was one of my favorite things that they've done thus far this year. It was a moment that connected them to Fish, to the dead. It was the type of just like super inside joke, uh, super in their own heads, like inside baseball type of moment from the band that you only get in this kind of relationship between a band and their audience. I love indie music part of the problem with indie music is that you don't have people going repeatedly to see the same band over and over and over again. My favorite indie artists I've seen maybe a handful of times to this point in time. 
you go and see a band like Goose, you go and see a band like Fish, you went and see saw a band like The Dead over and over and over again. And it's not just because of the jams. It's becomes it's because of what happens in this jive league. Like you said, Ryan, how much these guys know about each other and about what we love about them and about what we laugh about at them and with them and them to then like throw that back in our faces in such a way like this. It was just, it was brilliant. It was beautiful. It made me laugh. My wife was laughing. It was excellent. Uh, Blood Buzz. I mean, High Violet was my number one album of 2010 number three album of the overall decade blood buzz was probably my favorite song of the last decade i don't think any song better summarizes what it felt like to be like 25 years old in 2010 um with financial crisis with politics right at that time like blood buzz is just one of those songs that perfectly outlines what that experience was like every time i hear them play that it just it's one of my favorite things they do um the tumble the thatch to close it out. I have both of them on my kind of larger 2023 playlist. Um, they didn't make my kind of jams playlist, but I love them both. Uh, I thought that they close out the set really well. This kind of reminded me of uh, the Athens show in some ways where it was loose. Uh, it was vibey. It felt like the band <clears throat> was playing for like a small group of their audience members, but also kind of reflecting uh, how, how much this band is growing it flowed really nicely. Just an excellent, excellent first set. Really, really dug it. Love it. And then set two, we get the the longest Madhavan gap since early 2019. Uh, first time it's gone above a 10-show gap since then, which is crazy. Wow. Um, yeah, we were the, the Madhavan we were all waiting for all tour, and boy, did they deliver on this <laughs> Madhavan. Who boy. Um just the bliss jam to end all bliss jams. Like wh- what an incredible thing, you know, shades of seven to six, Neil, you mentioned earlier how they'll pull out like a familiar theme from an older jam that we'll recognize. This is like the Cleveland Rockdale from last year, similar kind of thing, but man, really, really amazing jam. And then they return to the Madhavan theme. And one of these, again, multiple peaks um, peaked it again and again and again and again before finally returning home. So this is, this is up there uh, for the year so far, for sure. Silver Rising with kind of a reworked drum-focused intro, um, which was interesting. You know, we were kind of thrown off for a second as to what song it might be. Um, but, you know, always a great song. Love this, again, as a landing pad after a jam in the second set. Silver Rising kind of works anywhere in the show, quite honestly. Um, get Redbird again. Um the loose ends action, um, very different from the Boston one, as has been said. Um, but you know, more more of a rockin' vibe to it, a little more funk to it than the kind of straightforward darkness that we got in Boston. And then we get runs through this old sea and don't do it. Felt like they were at this point they were like they like shoehorned a couple of songs in before curfew. Um, Peter kind of gave "Don't Do It" the Jive Two treatment. Uh, threw in a little clav and organ solo where he normally does piano. So that was cool. Um, and a quick T encore to send it off. Um, close out the rhyme and run. But all in all, you know, great set once again. And what a modifier. Yeah, this modifier is, is really good. I mean, you've already hit on, I think, the points that I wanted to hit on. This, this Madhavan does touch on a very, very familiar theme. If you listen to a lot of the top jams of last year, 
then you've definitely listened to that uh, Cleveland Rockdale. And like that theme is omnipresent here. Uh, and it's, it's amazing. I think you said to me, like, you think they did a better job of it. And I agree. Like it, it feels more cohesive. No, maybe it was Jeff who said it, but in any case, it doesn't matter. Um, it, it like feels more cohesive, Jeff. like within this jam, but also at the same time, like strange that they kind of picked up a jam they've already done and then played it again. Um, which is interesting that they went back to that. And I'm actually kind of glad they did because it's such a beautiful jam. This Madhavan, really, really, really good. In you know, what is like a really, really good set. The Silver Rising that came after, again, reworked song a little bit, where you get a little bit more drums to start it. And like, I thought it just sounded perfect. Like sometimes like it doesn't have to be about the jam. Sometimes it has to be just your feeling in the moment when you're listening to this music. And I think this Silver Rising did that. And then the Redbird that follows is one of my favorite Redbirds, I think, ever. Um, it's it's really, really good. It's unique. It has like a riff that they grab a hold of and they ride it out again. You know, not like the, the Philly Echo where they kind of ride it out into like big peaks or anything like that, but they really let this develop and it sounds like a song. Like it doesn't sound like a jam. Mm -hmm. This sounds like something that might show up again. So when you think back to like Vegas, Earthling or Alien, when they play a very distinct segment of Thatch in it, we were all like, wow, this jam's really cool. Like, you know, what could this possibly be? And then all of a sudden it shows up later as an actual song. I wonder if like a segment of what this Redbird is, which has this very kind of, to some degree or another, it sounds like a jam band playing a classic rock song to me. Um, it's like funky to some degree, but it sounds like very, almost like the band. And so I wonder mm -hmm. what this riff is it feels way too fleshed out to just be like a simple piece of improv. This is something they've played before to me uh, when I hear it. So love this Redbird. I think it's great. And then this old C, like what a shame, you know, they finally play it. And then this is all that we get for this old C, but I guess that's okay. Right. Because the song on its own. I have a feeling it might be, there, there might be a, a redemption for it coming up. Uh, yeah, I mean, night. I sure hope so, because you have expectations when one. you hear this old C. I, when they started playing this, I was thinking, oh boy, like, here we go. This is going to be something spectacular. Didn't turn out to be that way. And I guess that's fine, because, again, the song on its own is great. Uh, and then you get Don't Do It to close it off, which is always great. It's fun. This Madhavan is my jam of the year so far um and i think your comparison to the cleveland version is really apt and is part of the reason i love it is it <clears throat> kind of scrapes like the bottom of the emotional barrel like rick is playing it, almost like the all i need from cleveland this year uh it just it feels like a it feels like leads where he is um kind of crafting a song in the moment and he's playing something very familiar at the same time and it doesn't do anything that like musically shocks you but it doesn't need to it almost is like the um the arcadia from mission 2021 where there's just a real emotional energy to it that when you're listening to it it's something that uh as much as i love fish 
they they don't typically do this outside of songs like Slave to the Traffic Light and Harry Hood. And it's something that Goose does incredibly well, where they can play a piece of improvisation and make it feel like it's a peak of a really emotional song, uh, almost as though they're like inserting like a silver rising or an everything must go solo into a Madhavan. Um, but then you get this like really raging conclusion to it. It's It's just currently... Uh, my favorite stuff I've heard from the band this year, but Redbird, I was right there with you to have that come two songs later and have it jam with as much freedom and as much energy as it did at that point in time was really special and just made up for the fact that, yeah, I was really stoked to get this old sea again. Um, I'm a huge proponent of the ballads jamming and that being a big thing. That is why I love goose. I was shocked when they left this old sea, but I was also kind of like, okay, Time management has been an issue on this uh, in this rhyme and run. We're going to go into Don't Do It. Great, great set closer. I'm always here for Goose playing the band. And then uh, a killer hot tea to uh, to close things out. So um, this show I have as my number five show of the year overall. I just thought from note one when they walked on stage dressed as each other and we were all laughing uh, all the way through the hot tea. It was just a great, great night of Goose. You know, you guys have thrown around the like this was a 2018 show played in 2023 or 2019 show i don't know where this would sit in terms of like where goose's approach has been over the last couple of years but i just know that like from a hit play on jive lee you're not really going to want to skip any songs and everything's going to flow in an album-like fashion that's something that if i could offer any criticism i would say like that sort of approach goose could really embrace going forward um i find that they are very very strong in segments and sometimes that doesn't lead to like a full show uh constructed like an album in the way that like i love a full show like fish will play like a second set that has a narrative arc to it sometimes i don't hear that as much in goose and i heard it in this show and i just want to keep going yeah back. for sure this is like one of my favorite shows of the year and i think for that reason because it all kind of like flows together nicely. This is a show that you can listen to like end to end and really enjoy like a Philly night two or like, you know, first night of mm -hmm, goose mm -hmm. at, um, you know, mission ballroom. Like, I feel like, you know, that's a good example of a yeah. show that you like, you really could listen to end to end and is wonderful. It just so happens. Those are both mm -hmm. live releases of the band too. But, uh, <laughs> go figure. Uh, yeah. Good shows. Right. So good shows. Final, final show, show of the, the tour. tour. And, like yeah whatever. you know it's funny because this in some ways is like a tour closer like a false tour closer but certainly didn't have that energy it had like a different kind of energy to it this was yet another kind of party show it had an energy yeah it had an energy of almost as if they were playing an outdoor brewery in alabama yeah, I, I think that's right um so let's let's dive in and kind of talk about the set so set one you get yeti opener um, which, you know, already you're partying. You get Echo of a Rose, which I think is like the one piece of, of jamming in the show that really is, you know, worth checking out and listening to if you're looking for jams. Then you get California Magic, then Earthling or Alien, and then a Half Step, which is always exciting to get in a show, and then a So Ready Set One Open, or Set One Closer. Um, that's a, a pretty good set strung together. I think you're left wanting for jams when you listen to this set and you're the kind of person like I am, but really cool set beginning to end. And also early show, which I think is, is worth mentioning. This is outdoor show at the first outdoor show of the run. 
and early on in, in the evening to start. First headlining outdoor show since uh, August in Portland. Uh, they, you know, they did they did a festival or two after that. Um, you know, Stubbs and ACL in October, but those were obviously both all those gigs were tied to the Austin City Limits Festival. So this is their first headlining outdoor show since August. Um, you know, nice to have outdoor goose back. Um, I like. I like seeing concerts outside. I, I don't get to see them outside personally until Peach, uh, but, you know, nice that they're playing outside for those who get to see that. You ever have, like, a Saturday where you have some, like, light beer to a pale ale? Nothing great, nothing crazy, but just, like, you know, a couple good beers that you can just drink on. You're hanging out with your friends. At some point, someone orders like, you know, an appetizer sampler and you get some wings, you got some mozzarella sticks and some jalapeno poppers. Maybe there's a game on and it's just like a great time and there's like no consequence to it at all. And you're maybe not going to remember like the nuances of this day, but like you had a really good time. You connected with some friends, you shared some laughs. That is what this show was for me. You're really good at analogies. That's that's like a very impressive and very detailed analogy. <laughs> but like, you know what well I'm talking done. about? Like this show, like I got nothing crazy to rave about, but I got nothing to yeah. hate on it. Really good song selection. Every time that camera went behind the band and showed the crowd and you saw like the line of porta potties and you saw like all these old industrial buildings around there and like you saw the beer tents, like, you know, it's April 2nd. It was still a little bit chilly that weekend in Denver. It's now like 85 degrees outside. It's crazy. I don't know what's going on. Yeah, I was, but like, I was out in shorts felt, today. Yeah, it felt like I was watching the dawn of spring 2023. And knowing that we've got fish coming up, we got another leg of goose, we got festivals on the horizon. Like, it just had this very just breezy, fun hang show that nobody will go back and listen to that one friend that you have will rave about one jam of this. And you'll think that they're crazy for the remainder of the year <laughs> because you're kind of like, it was just like, it was a fun show. It was a party show. I, I, yeah. I dug it. I liked this first set. I loved where they were taking echo. I loved where, um, half step went. I think that's one of their best covers as well. And you talk about like making yeah, a cover sure. their own. They clearly, they've, they've made half step their own song. Um, so I was, I was into it. it. It didn't have a ton of consequential re-listenable, like, you know, pullback for me, but it was just a really fun, fun little show there. Right. And, you know, it's funny. I've been holding on to this the whole entire episode. And I was going to say, Brian, if you were going to compare anything on this show or this run to a cheese, uh, what cheese would it be? And here we are. <laughs> It's, you love it. You love the sticks. cheese. Uh, it is this show. It's mozzarella sticks, man. <laughs> right. That's it. Nice. Uh, this is a, this is something that you bring up on HF Pod. Uh, no, a lot, like, isn't it, it's Neil? been done on HF Pod. I, I listen to HF Pod regularly, um, and you know, uh, I brought it up last time. This that last episode of HF Pod, which everybody should listen to because it's absolutely killer episode. I mean, just got yes. Uh, the the forty for forty nineteen ninety four episode. It is a it is a highly yeah, entertaining it's, it's, it's the cornell 77 of podcasts uh, <laughs> 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 uh but in any case um 
yeah so why don't we just dive into set two while we're at it so uh set two we get fish in the sea uh set opener which is i mean again amazing cover one they've made their own and so good and then same old shenanigans a western sun which is just a beautiful goose song and doesn't have to be the big jammer um can just kind of fit into a set everywhere (laughs) and then you get animal you get a seven two six and drip field to close out the set, and then you get that rum encore, uh, which I know some people absolutely love. Um, I wish we had Jeff Goose on here right now to talk about rum encores. I, I wish we had him on. Uh, to talk in about in general, show. yeah, this is the kind of show that people like Jive uh, generally hate. But again, this this show is is of no consequence, right? It's just it's a, it's a good time. Old, you know, we know and that they went out there and played it. You know, interestingly enough, seven two six finds its way into the show, which I guess is on the album. So it makes sense that it's here, but like, this is an incredible rarity and cool to show up in this set as kind of a cool down towards the end after animal. Um, but I mean, so many amazingly fun songs in this set. Fish in the sea always kills. Same old shenanigans always kills. Western sun cooldown. Sure. Like I'll take that anytime. Uh, and then animal, and then you get like a seven, two, six cooldown and then a drip field to close out the set. As far as this set reads, this is an amazing set. This is a, an incredible set of music. Um, just doesn't have the jams. And like again, that's okay. It's okay to have fun right. at a show. Yeah. I having fun at a show is great. Uh, you know, shout out to the fish in the sea teases an animal. Big fan of that. Um, you know, obviously, because I'm a I'm a huge nerd. Uh the covers they played on this tour, um, you know. Amazing selection of covers, choosing when to play them, uh, you know, which ones from, obviously they have so many covers, uh, but they played so many of their best ones. So hopefully that means they will get more plays uh, on the upcoming leg. And that doesn't mean that, you know, we're now going to get all the less desirable covers. Uh, <laughs> um, but, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, but you guys got anything else uh, on this show or can we move into our kind of post leg other topics no no very very similar thoughts to you guys on set two uh just the pale ale show the pale ale show it not not quite an ipa just a pale not quite not didn't have the bite but you know pale ales they got their time and place man mozzarella sticks mm. solid <laughs> solid mozzarella sticks there we go all right so a quick uh before we get to our mail sack segment like to give a quick fantasy goose shout out uh, to Chris Newcomb, who is currently winning uh, the tour so far, which is uh, started at the beginning of March and will stretch until uh, the days between shows at the beginning of May. Um, you know, our good friend Jive Goose bringing up second place here uh, with 260 points, trails Newcomb by nine. Um, I'm a little bit further down there, at 238. Neil trails me, 227. Uh, D's at 216, and um, Kev is uh, at 122. Kev, Kev, Kev's, Kev's <laughs> playing for fun. You know, we, we know Kev is a guy who likes to play Fantasy Goose for fun. Um, shout out to Kev. So, I believe it is time for the mail sack. So, let's open up the sack. Let's dive into the sack. Um we're gonna we're gonna grab a few sacks here. Um, sure. Neil, would you like um, to go first? So, touching on a, a theme that we've kind of talked about a little bit, uh, 
at 92 Vickers says, uh, why is this the year of Trevor? And the answer is, I have no idea, but it's great. Um, it is the year of Trevor. I think we're hearing him more. He is out front more. Again, I, actually, I do think I have an idea. I think it is confidence in his own playing. I think it's the band's confidence in his playing. They're allowing him to take that spotlight a little bit more. You're seeing bass solos in places where there weren't bass solos before. Um, and that's that's great. It only makes the band better. Um, and then, uh, well, we can do this one too. Captain Incredible says, why is Goose so damn good at playing All I Need in Ohio and Montana? That's a damn good question. They are really fucking good <laughs> at playing that song. Let's hope that they prove yeah, that I again mean, next we week. We get Montana coming soon. So I'm excited for you, Ryan, because you're going to be at those shows. I'm excited for you because you're going to be in Montana, really. Um, if you've never been, please go. Uh, it's an I've amazing place. I'm excited. It's the yep. last best place. An incredible place to go. Um, and I'm also jealous of the fact that you're going to do the drive to Idaho after, which is probably going to be the best part of that whole run. Like, Goose is going to be great. I assure you that Goose... So you're saying the eight-hour drive from Bozeman to Boise is going to be better Brian, back than me the up on this? Goose shows I'm seeing? I mean, I went to college in Montana. I got married in Montana. I'm an incredibly biased person here. But yes, the drive across Montana is going to be one of the greatest experiences of your entire life. You've never seen clouds the way that you're going to see them in Montana. You've never All seen right. the sun shine the way it shines in Montana. The way that it goes from prairie that just feels endless. Like you literally cannot believe that you live on an earth that big when you see the sky and you see the prairies around you. And then you go through these mountain passes and you're every time you get out of the car, it just is like the freshest smell you've ever had in your entire life. You could dip your hand in the river and pull out a rainbow trout. It's fucking amazing. There it's the go. greatest place on earth. This episode of Always Almost There is sponsored by the Montana Office of Tourism. <laughs> I just Googled what the title of the tourism thing was, so I would be accurate. But thank you, Montana, for the sponsorship. Um, Brian just made a lot of money by putting it. Amazing. So. All right, I'm going to open up the sack here. Uh, we got one from at Hetty Steve. Um, this is an interesting handle, you know, uh, every time I see someone with a disco biscuits profile picture commenting positive things about goose, I get a little bit thrown off. Uh, that's not a knock on biscuits fans. Uh, it's just, there, there happen to be a lot of biscuits fans who don't like goose. Uh, so shout out to Hetty Steve, um, favorite three songs slash jams. Uh, really liked the cap electric Avenue. Hopefully more shows open with a jam. I agree. I think that'd be really cool to see especially if Neil is on setless duty um, and it kind of throws him into a panic of what song they're playing. Uh, Philly Echo and Cleveland, all I need a couple of his other highlights. He also says in Wisteria from the Ryman, is that a Louisiana Bayou tease starting around the 10 minute mark? That is the second Dave Matthews uh, comparison mm -hmm. we've heard uh, come out about this Wisteria. We have also heard you might die trying uh, from a couple of people. I personally, if it's between the two of those, I hear Louisiana Bayou a little bit more, um, the jam from that song. But that's just me. Interesting to, you know, draw more parallels there. Dave Matthews' influence um, on Goose. Very, very, very interesting. Um, uh, Going to grab one more here uh, from Juzzle the Wise. Uh, hashtag let Jeb Sachs is a hope and a wish, probably more like wishful thinking. Yes, I agree with both. Um, 
I, I would like to see Jeff bust out the sacks, but I don't know how likely that is. Brian, do you want to get do you, do you want to grab some sacks? I'm going to grab a sack. Uh, I'm going in fully knowing that this may be a uh, a horrible opinion, but I'm going to make it anyway. Uh, Matt here at the underscore the trailer. What happened to lead the way? Matt, I'm right there with you, my dude. The 126 yeah. 2022 version of lead the way. Absolutely brilliant. One of my favorite early jams of 2022. I get into endless debates with my podcasting co-host, one of my best friends, Mr. David Goldstein. We got into Goose together. We both went in as Goose skeptics. We have become diehards over the last four years. But, you know, as with all good friendships, you walk down a path together and you divert from time to time. And one of the songs we divert on is Lead the Way. I am here for Lead the Way. I think that it has an incredible hook and I think it leads to excellent, excellent jamming spaces. We have not heard a version since 1014, 2022 in Oklahoma City. I'd love to hear that come back just like twice a tour. You know, that's all we need. Or, you yeah. know, every few shows. <laughs> or, you know, every the few 20 shows. minute version maybe. looms someday. I've been saying this for a while now. I've been saying it for like a year and a half someday. now, but someday. Yeah. At least <laughs> it, it, it'll, it'll pop up. It'll pop up someday. It'd be a good thing. All right. Well, that brings us to the end uh, of our uh, of our of our spring tour leg one recap. We covered it in less time than it took us to cover the five shows from the cap. We did. Um, <laughs> so look, look at us! Look at us being efficient. Uh, Brian, thank you so so much uh, for coming thank on today. It's been an absolute pleasure uh, to go in depth on this leg of tour with you. Uh, we look forward to having you on the pod again soon. Of course. Um, as our resident cavalry uh, waiting in the wings at any time uh, to come on when we need a guest. Um, speaking of guests, uh, of course, we are always looking for guests uh, for our day after show live streams, which happen day after every single Goose show at 3.30 p.m. Eastern. We are still, if you are listening to this, we are still looking for guests for night two of Bozeman. So that is uh, recapping the April 19th show. Come celebrate 420 with us uh, by coming and talking about the show at 3.30 p.m. Eastern. Ooh, tough timing April if you're a 420 celebrator on the East Coast. Going to that uh, show. Tough timing. Well, it, we should be done before <laughs> that, theoretically. Um, you know, But if you're going to that show and you want to come on and talk about us, uh, shoot us a DM on social media at AAT Goose Pod. Um, we'd love to have you on. But of course, tune in for the rest of the tour. I'm very excited for thirteen go a, a leg of 13 Goose shows in a row. I think this is our, our last big run of all headlining Goose shows until September. So Yeah, what could go wrong? I'm excited. With 13 Leave straight shows because. on the West Coast, huh? What could go wrong? <laughs> yeah listen we, you know we we heard from peter uh when he was on the pod in february that you know he, they they felt that the west coast tour last year you know they're playing smaller rooms again um it's more out of the way so more of a chance for them to loosen up uh, i feel like but they're playing a couple of rooms you know i think the boise and the eugene venues are under a thousand capacity uh so i'm very much looking forward to seeing them you know, in small venues, of course, Bozeman is also a thousand, uh, and seeing them at the Warfield um, in San Francisco, which is going to be really cool. It'll be my first time there. Um, you know, doing 
that whole leg with my mom who fun fact the last time she was at the warfield was for garcia and grisman in wow. the early 90s um and i have instructed her to um tell everybody about that for there you fred. go um, which i i think will work yeah this is this has been a fun episode i, I think thank, thank you, you guys on, for having Brian. me on this was so much fun i loved i loved this leg and uh love talking about it with you guys always awesome. down to come back fantastic all right well everybody thank you so much for listening to this episode of always almost there have a fantastic day and we will see you next time Hey, music fans, we wanted to let you know about Music on the Mountain, a show that will feature Anders Osborne, Dogs in a Pile, and Saints and Liars. This show will be directly after the Divided Sky Foundation's fun run at 2 p.m. on Saturday, May 18th at the base of Akimo Mountain in Ludlow, Vermont. The show is presented by The Phoenix, a national nonprofit organization offering support to those in recovery and anyone impacted by substance use to celebrate recovery. If you're running in the Divided Sky Foundation's fund run, you'll be automatically registered for the show. It's a family-friendly event, and all proceeds from ticket sales and other donations benefit the Divided Sky Foundation. Visit Music on the Mountain, that's musiconthemtn.com, for more info and to get tickets. That's musiconthemtn.com. Hope you enjoy. Hi, this is Henry Kay, host of the number one music history podcast, Rootsland. Come with me on a journey to Kingston, Jamaica, where we explore the world of reggae music and the untold stories of some of the genre's greatest legends. From the ghettos and tenement yards where the music was born to the island's iconic recording studios. We are so excited to team up with Osiris Media, the leading storyteller in music. Because as you'll hear, sometimes the story is the best song.